1: Nacho cheese Doritos. Okay. I've got Parmesan. Okay. I've got bacon. Probably go for a bottle of red wine, to be honest with you. Uh, that's my early bread, milk, eggs list for uh, this afternoon when I head to the grocery. It looks like you're going Honey Nut Cheerios. Honey Nut
2: Cheerios is always good. Um, you know, I went yesterday. I had to go to the mall. And there, in Castleton, there did is a... you say
1: a, hi to my dad? Oh, Kingston on the Crossing. Yeah. Where he's at.
2: There's a there's a popcorn place called Market Square Popcorn. I mean, I'm a big fan of just pop in also, but Market Square Popcorn Company has a thing called Sweet Heat. Oh, that's that's a must. It sounds like a company during
1: the winter months. It's like a popcorn,
2: need. and they have they came up with the flavoring. It's a it's a um, kind of a barbecue, or excuse me, it's like a um, buffalo cheese flavoring, but with like a, a sugar added to it. I'm telling you, it's wow, really good. Uh, that would be on my list. And then, I, you know, I'm cool with just peanut butter sandwiches. Okay. But here's the thing. I, I'm going to say this again, and, and I know that we're one minute and 34 seconds into the Are show. Are you going weather morning.
1: cynic on us 90 seconds into the show?
2: I'm 50 years old. 50.
1: Trust me, we remember the birthday.
2: <laughs> Thank you. In my half a century on the planet, I can recall two weather episodes in this town That interrupted life for more than 48 hours. And I I know that I'm not someone with a family of five or six mouths to feed. I understand that. But even still, for most people, if you just all of a sudden... I mean, people that like suddenly get sick and can't leave the house for two days, don't you just naturally have enough food land? I mean, sure, you're not making yourself like six course meals, but you're like, you know, I got enough food to get by for couple days i don't understand like why everyone rushes out for milk eggs all i, I well eggs right now you gotta remortgage but i, I like why do people panic about this because we're supposed to get what like four inches of snow four to eight is what i've seen in the okay. metro area 24 hours of inconvenience at yeah. that at best i made at sure
1: to d- double check the freezer last night just that we were or at worst We're in good shape there, but it does sound like around midnight tonight. So, you know, from a good news in the sports world standpoint, granted, you know, I guess you're listening to a sports show, so you care somewhat about it. It does fall midweek, so that's nice. You know, high school sports shouldn't be affected too much if you have events tomorrow night or tomorrow afternoon, and then if you look at the college slate, everybody's out of town. IU's out of town, Purdue's out of town, Butler's out of town, I think is up in Fort Wayne, and the Pacers, boy, aren't they getting out of town at a good time tonight.
2: Yeah, so they're in town tonight, they play. So they play in
1: Chicago, then they fly to Orlando tonight for the back-to-back with the Magic on Wednesday. But um, yeah, for those that have not seen any sort of weather update, uh, four to eight inches is being reported, again, starting around midnight tonight, and it sounds like through a good chunk of tomorrow. But
2: weren't we supposed to get at Christmas when they shut the world down? I mean, I know that it was cold. But weren't we supposed to get, like, wintry mix and ice storm and all that, and nothing happened? I mean, it was really cold for, like, Thirty-six hours.
1: Say that, Jake, and you're gonna be Chef Boyardine at the next seventy-two hours. <laughs> Chef Boyardine. I was going say he'd be doing that regardless. Right. What are you talking about? Well, I mean, what are we? What, what are we talking about? I here? do find it interesting when you watch the weather reports. I'm like, how do they? How does the weather?
2: How does that line know where I-70 is? Every I time? always say that it's unbelievable, isn't it? It really is amazing. So uh, keep an eye on that. Good morning to you on a Tuesday, which you know, by all weather accounts, might be our last Tuesday, right? Uh, Jake Query along with Kevin Bowen, Mark Dykedon here as well. It is Kevin and Query. On 93.5, The Fan. And in addition to the fun that is the weather reports and Death Storm 2023, it's coming at just the perfect time because why not go out with the celebratory fun of a game show? And we are close to the unveiling of the Final Five list. Again, if you folks want Jeff Saturday, it's 800-GO-COLT. If you would like, for example, Raheem Morris, 800-GO-COLT-1. Dan Quinn, 800-GO-COLT-2. Phones will be open for 24 hours for you folks to vote when we come up with our semifinal list. Do text and message this. data rates apply? What's that? Text message data rates yeah, apply? They do. They do. Thank okay. you. so, so a good f- point. our friends in Canada, just so you know, it will cost additional to vote. But you can have your say in the Colts head coaching search in this, the fantasy coaching search sweepstakes 2023
1: Joel Erickson going to join us around eight o'clock to talk more about this and one thing I want to clarify from yesterday you know the NFL has changed rules almost on an annual basis of how head coaching searches are allowed to operate and I didn't realize this that if you're still in the playoffs which the Colts have four candidates still in the playoffs D'Amico Ryans a Shane Steik in the OC with Philly and then the two offensive coordinators in the AFC game, Brian Callahan of the Bengals and Eric Biennium of the Chiefs, you weren't even allowed to interview yesterday. I thought typically you were allowed to interview that first kind of 24-hour period right after your game is played. So if the Colts want to interview Ryans for the first time or do a second interview, and I think there's some legit interest in the other guys still left and Callahan and Steichen and Biennium's case, they cannot do that until Monday. So... I do feel like a lot of this is kind of NFL mandated. And again, look around the league. It's not like Carolina's naming finalists. I believe Carolina is interviewing Kellen Moore today. That will be their 10th interview. Um, So I just think this is the new age of NFL head coaches. I get it. I get it. uh, You know, Mark, I I don't know if you recall last year, I want to say the Bears interviewed 10 or 11 candidates. Yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, When Nick Sirianni got the job in Philly, it was at a double-digit number. Uh, But it does sound like Dan Quinn who is out of the playoffs, of course, with Dallas losing. He is a name the Colts would like to bring in later this week. So if you're looking for second interviews, you can do that with the Raheem Morrises of the world, the Dan Quins of the world, those that are no longer in the playoffs. But for those four candidates still playing, next week is when you can interview them. And you can interview them throughout the week, even if they're in the Super Bowl. Again, next week is that week off. So if you're looking for activity to pick up, Guys that aren't in the playoffs, that can happen this week. Guys that are still in the playoffs, even if they win, you've got a full week next week during that Super Bowl off week to where you can either do them virtually or bring them in in person.
2: I, again, I I will readily admit,
1: excuse me, I will readily admit
2: that this is me just being a cynic because I appreciate, I had a conversation last night about this, With the Colts, with every interview that they're doing, sending out, you know, we just interviewed Mark Dykton. We just interviewed Kevin Bowen. We just interviewed – by the Colts doing that, they are eliminating the speculative Twitter account that's like, sources are telling me the Colts are talking to so-and-so. Sources are telling me so-and-so's interview. They've taken that meat right out of those Wolverines' hands, right? And that makes things much clearer to understand for the fan base. I get that. And 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 I'm the first to admit if they weren't doing it that way, I would be sitting here saying, "What is taking so long? We don't even know who they've interviewed. This is ridiculous." So I get it. I mean, I'm I am absolutely guilty of the what exactly do you want here, Jake? narrative. I do think that to fans only because I just go by what people say to me, whatever. I do think to fans, Kevin, there are a lot of them that's like, gosh, this seems like really exhaustive.
1: And you know what, Jake? Part of that, I think, is the Colts doing, that they have painted themselves in a corner where every single decision right now by the Colts is met with a skeptical eye. That's fair. Um, I think it's a. I think it's fair in one one way, because, again, the Colts have kind of put themselves in that corner. I also think it's a little bit like, boy, they can't do anything right right now. Um And again, when you go 4-12-1, you've had an owner step in and make the decisions that he's made. You don't get the benefit of the doubt from your fan base. Um, One thing that I think we've seen Chris Ballard, I guess, evolve with and now his second head coaching search, Jake, remember back in 2018, he interviewed, I want to say it was just five candidates. And Matt Rule, I don't think was like a very serious, serious interview at the time. Basically, he went into that interview process and thought, "I have my eyes set on Josh McDaniels. Right, I'll cover our bases that we need to, but that's the hire that I want to make." It,
2: it, kind of like the Indiana hiring Archie Miller. This, this is our guy. That, that's where we're going. Yeah.
1: And now Ballard looks at this and says, "And this is the one of the first things he said a couple weeks back at the season ending press conference, and in talking about what he learned from that twenty eighteen search, basically, don't walk in there with the end already in sight." be open-minded to it. And so I think you are seeing a guy that has changed his thought process. And again, Ballard has given the fan base no benefit of the doubt. Obviously, been, I think, extremely critical and and, and deservedly critical of the Ballard tenure. But if he were to interview four or five candidates and make some quick hire, we'd be absolutely roasting him for that, doing the same thing he did that's fair. in 2018. So uh, this process... Again, nothing eminent. Sounds like Dan Quinn later in the week. We'll see if Raheem Morris is later in the week. I still think there is and there should be interest in these four coaches we'll see on Sunday. Are they going to, let me ask you this, this is where my cynicism will hit an all-time high. Okay.
2: Are they going to announce their five finalists? That's a good question. Because um, that's where it starts to feel like, uh, okay, this this is starting to feel like American Idol.
1: I I assume you'll get the same sort of announcement that we've gotten so far. We just conducted an interview with Dan Quinn. Like, not here's our list of five. Right. But basically, if Dan Quinn comes in tomorrow, does an interview with the Colts, and that ends at six p.m., the Colts will simply announce we've done an interview with Dan Quinn. I think if you're going to see any sort of final list, that's going to have to be a collection of agents leaking that information to the if national. If you if you
2: media. were Kevin right now, since we have for the for the time being, we have suspended speculation and or discussion of kevin's 30 win windfall over the pacers wager right I, I,
1: i'm starting to get a little nervous
2: yeah we we've so we've just
1: yeah i know we were doing some budgeting we, last we've night we decided not to I'm talk like, about that with kevin boy i had that built in for 2023 <laughs> and we might need to put that on hold uh-huh okay so um
2: so we're going to stave conversation of that wager. So if you had to now put wager on who the five finalists will be, or better yet, we'll just simply say...
1: So this is not my opinion. I'm predicting what the Colts are going to do? Correct. The oh, five God. coaches that you believe will
2: get a second interview.
1: Morris, Quinn. Let's go Saturday. Saturday. Brian
2: Callahan. You, so far, we're four for four together. This is not does not make for good radio. Uh,
1: my fifth. I I'm a little. The question I have on the fifth candidate is: Is this guy just has he narrowed his focus elsewhere? That would be D'Amico Ryan's. Again, plenty of ties to Houston as a former player. There is already interviewed there. Denver was the other interview. Um, he would be the fifth. I think if he has mutual interest in the Colts. If not, I'll go Shane Steichen from Philly.
2: Okay, I'll go wink Martindale for fifth. Wink, just because I want to see him do tic tac toe.
1: How much different is the who you think it'll be and who you want it to be? Well, yeah, I would not have Saturday certainly on the list. Um, I'd probably throw D'Amico, Ryan's, or Mike Kafka. But this
2: is what to me to round is, out. This, this is that, that the group. this is the hilarity of all this to me. We already know factually if we are to take the Colts for their word, and they've for the most part been pretty transparent. This is all, I'm not going to say window dressing, but this is all theater that might mean nothing. Because Chris Ballard is the one conducting all of this, and he, by his own admission and own word in the press conference, is not the one that makes the final decision. So he makes, this is all part of what he is going to then recommend. And then...
1: A lot of work for a recommendation that could be turned
2: down. I, I don't disagree, but... I guess you're getting paid pretty handsomely, though. Right. But, the but Kevin, correct me if I'm wrong, he was pretty adamant or pretty clear, or pretty transparent about the fact that he will make a suggestion and Jim Mersey will
1: make the hire. Right. Mm-hmm. And again, I got the vibe that the interest level in Jeff Saturday is nowhere near that of Jim Mersey's interest level. Correct. In Jeff Saturday. Something I do want to bring up maybe a little bit later today, Jake, is... I went on with um it was Dane Fife and Charlie Clifford on Friday, and Dane was a little bit more in the hire Jeff Saturday camp. And so I tried to explain to him, I guess, you know, like where I was coming from in the almost in a way, like if Scott Dolson would have hired Dane Fife last head coaching search, I don't think you had that many people like questioning Dane Fife's resume. I mean it's a it's a very accomplished resume. Uh, you know the top assistant at the best Big Ten program over the last 10 years right obviously a former player you know had decent success at Fort Wayne the Jeff Saturday hire is like if Scott Dolson would have hired Kyle Hornsby or Jared Odle insert whoever else in that 2002 team that has not coached at all or or like
2: Eric sir who's doing the radio Commentary,
1: yeah, and I would say even somebody more removed than that from the inner workings of the program on a daily basis, right? Um, you know, if you want to go Colts Super Bowl team, could you couldn't you have hired Cato June, a guy that's actually coached for the last decade at the college and the NFL? I mean, hell, Reggie Wayne, Reggie Wayne, yeah, <laughs> had a little bit more on that front. So again, we can get more into that as the day moves along. Pacers back in action tonight. They've got the Bulls, Purdue. Up to number one in the rankings. I love this uh, Purdue stat that they threw out there yesterday. All right. So again, Purdue up to number one. Um, Zach Eadie stat through the first 20 games of the season. You have three major conference basketball players that have averaged at least 20 and 13 since the turn of the century. Zach Eadie is one of them. Can you name the other two? Okay, since the year 2000? Since the year two thousand twenty and 13, in the first 20 games of the season.
2: Okay, just allow me to ask this. Are, are either one of these two, like, yes, that makes perfect sense?
1: Yes. Kevin one, Durant. Undoubtedly one of them. Um, no, but you were extremely close with the Kevin Durant guess. In age and geography.
2: Um... Boy, age and geography in terms of where he played collegiately? Correct. A a freak
1: athlete, particularly in college. LaMarcus Aldridge? Blake Griffin. Yeah, okay. And the other one, my passwords, Luke Herringote. How about that? Zach Eadie, Blake Griffin, and Luke Herringote. I always
2: thought Blake Griffin was tremendously overrated. Dynamic player, if you need a fast break and somebody's got to dunk over a Kia. you want anything else done, yeah, okay.
1: He put up a lot of points and rebounds for being overrated. He, and he
2: did. He is the proverbial 25-10-25 guy. 25-10 and 10 for 25-win teams for the majority of his career.
1: Trace Jackson Davis, Big Ten Player of the Week. I don't think anybody surprised... At all with that. How about Kansas losing three in a row now? So they lost last night to Baylor, right? Yeah. I mean, they they honestly...
2: I thought they were the best team in the country, possibly, like like two weeks ago.
1: The thing about Purdue right now, when you look at them, Jake, in relation to other teams around the country, their resume... It's unbelievable. Stands above the rest
2: by far. Unquestionably. Unquestionably on path to become the number one seed in the tournament, right? Number
1: one overall seed. Yes. Yeah. And, again... It's probably a little bit too early to look into this stuff, but I'm not Matt Painter. I don't need to get them ready for Thursday night, so I can look a little bit more big picture. If you want to get technical and look at where Purdue is slotted within the bracket right now versus other teams geographically around Purdue, because if you look at where the regionals are, there's a regional in Louisville. There's a first-round site in Columbus, Ohio State's arena. You would think Purdue would like to play there. Um you know, outside of like maybe Tennessee, maybe Xavier if they get hot down the stretch, Purdue's got nobody in the Midwest or the Eastern time zone really that will threaten them right. for this number one seed. Um so I think that is good news for Purdue fans. I, I know it's premature to look at that. But even if you look at the Big Ten standings, I mean right now Purdue is at eight and one. No one in the Big Ten has two losses. You've got nine teams right nine now. Nine times. Uh, with you, three or four losses. You see in Indiana the Big
2: Ten. starting to sneak back towards the top 25. They're second in receiving votes.
1: And they are that would be the second team in the Big Ten, right? There's no one else ranked in the Big Ten? Correct. Did you see who broke into the top 25? Now
2: 22nd? Wyoming? Nope. Wyoming's having a. a St. Mary's? Wyoming's rebuilding. Is what they're doing. We might need to get Reese Monaco on to talk. Uh
1: the <laughs> He's he's still talking about last year. <laughs> he couldn't believe Trey Jackson Davis in the warm ups. So. He might still be talking about our interview. For those that are unfamiliar, Mark, was, how would you recap what we are up to 3 when we got him off air? Yeah,
3: yeah, we went long. We usually reserve like if we go long with like special guests and Reese Monico He's, was he's the play-by-play play play
2: voice of Wyoming basketball. He, he was in and, awe watching IU during their open practice. <laughs> and he was very excited to be on Indy Radio. Uh the Fighting Randy Bennetts of St. Mary's Boom. 22nd in the country. Uh we have 18 a he- and 4.
1: We have a headline here. Former great offensive lineman and Colts coach leaves for high school job saw that
2: is that the first of many defections should we let people know who that is when we get to the morning checkdown
1: is that a headline that makes people somewhat curious or is that was that just a horrible that tease is by me
2: probably that as much as telling people what two teams combined for 280 points in the association last night which we could also get
1: to uh one one thing tony is going to join us at nine (laughs) jake we are two weeks and two days away from the nba trade trade deadline i think miles turner is a very good player and a much needed player for the pacers in their struggles defensively but i have a lot of reservations about paying him the type of contract that he wants fair i'll
2: disagree but fair
1: do you view center at all like running back in the nfl
2: that that is actually a pretty good comparison but i i don't think of turner i think that's the root of my concern i don't think of turner as the traditional center though because i think that they utilize him and see him in different areas
1: what about with age paying that guy 100 million into his 30s um welcome to the nba in 2023 paying that position into the 30s does his, does his athleticism still stay there? Does his durability, which is lacked, recently stay there?
2: Also fair. Um, that's always the gamble you take. But I think he's a critical piece of the unit that they're trying to build around, and the, the players that they foresee as part of their future build, I think are very reliant on on what he can do.
1: And again, a big chunk of this debate is largely out of the Pacers' control in the sense of they can put an extension in front of Miles Turner if they want to, but, of course, Miles can sign it or not sign it. And that is what so much of the next couple weeks will be about, Uh, something we discussed with Bob Kravitz yesterday. And I want Tony East to get a little bit more into the weeds of exactly what that contract can look like, the pros and cons of that, because it's a very important time for the Pacers. It sounded like Tyrese Halliburton did some non-contact stuff, but still kind of operating with one arm which lends me to think he's going to miss a little bit more time. Thursday is supposed to be the the reevaluation point for him. Again, the Pacers seven-game losing streak. They've got the Bulls off a of back-to-back, Chicago won last night over Atlanta coming in here. Tonight, I'm Kevin Bowen, Jake Query, Mark Dykton, we are preparing for the apocalypse. Do you think they'll want to stay in a hotel tonight? Snow apocalypse, death storm 2023. Call it what it is dibs on the top bunk excuse me oh we're all in one room yeah probably
2: okay Lisa joined when I was a kid when we would take family vacations because I'm the youngest when we would we would always drive to Florida and we would stay my dad I'll give my parents credit my dad would make like a big deal about you know our vacation starts in Valdosta or whatever we'd stay at a Howard Johnson or a Holiday Inn on the way down um and my sisters would. Share, I mean, this is when we were a little, really little. But my sisters would share one bed, my parents in the other, and then I would sleep on the floor in the hotel. Oh. And I, it never bothered me. And I took a road trip with two of my buddies out to Seattle, actually in the mid nineties, right after college, and we stayed at some motel one night
1: in Idaho. And there, there was. This like, is not the road trip with the sixth grade girl to Lawrence. <laughs> <laughs> Let's i've had a few questions about that from some people i've tried different, to give you the benefit of the doubt different like,
2: road trip yeah. Okay. just want to uh, but i slept on the floor they're like are you kidding me like <laughs> and you're you're and i got up and the shag carpeting was imprinted on my oh, cheek God. it was awesome yeah, yeah nothing like opened.
1: hotel carpeting yeah I, no, i've never boy. looked at hotel carpet like i want to my, on parents, yeah. my mm-hmm. parents went the budget route but you know what when we, i look back on we did on a little my, hampton inn indoor pool that was a thing. Yeah. i mean run. i look
2: back on my family vacations though and there are so many good memories of, of things like that like the the holodomes and all that it was fun stuff oh
1: we did the south bend holodome we would run into uh the baton twirlers convention there a oh, few times that well. was that was quite the scene they're all practicing <laughs> in the holodome and <laughs> my brother and i are trying to play shuffleboard around them <laughs> yeah. it wasn't the easiest <laughs> process uh he is jake query i'm kevin bowen again mark dighton on the ones and twos, Joel Erickson to talk Colts head coaching search at 8 o'clock. Tony East at 9. A critical, critical juncture coming up for the Pacers, not only on, but also off the floor. Sounds like the weather should be okay. Chilly, but okay today. It's tonight turned into tomorrow where things get a All bit gonna die. dicey. Kevin Aquari, 935 0075, The Fan.
0: The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.
2: Last night in the association, I'd mentioned the two teams combined for 280 points. I don't know why there's really any reason people around here would be geeked about that other than 150 is a lot in the game. That's what the Bucks had in a 150-130 win over the Fighting Mopman Detroit Pistons. Jaden Ivey had 12 for Detroit, in case you're curious About the rookie out of Purdue, he is averaging 15 points per game on the season. Other winners in the association, Orlando, Chicago, Houston, Utah, Portland, and the Sacramento Kings, who got 24 out of former Indiana Mr. Basketball from Tech High School, Trey Lyles, last night.
1: Speaking of the Bulls, one-and-a-half-point favorite tonight inside of Gamebridge Fieldhouse. It is a back-to-back for Chicago, Indiana, back at home. Uh, Again, seven-game losing streak for the Pacers Back to back for them now tonight and tomorrow. Tomorrow is in Orlando. Tyrese Halliburton still out, but here was the update on him getting back to the court from Rick Carlisle yesterday at practice.
4: Tyrese was uh, was, was here and uh, he participated in arts practice. He's getting he's getting a little better all the time. Uh, don't have a timetable, but he actually participated in a little bit of the non-contact stuff for court, which was great to see and uh,
1: no.
4: Any any little thing that uh, can be uplifting is important.
1: Again, it sounds like more elbow related than knee. Right now, for Tyrese Halliburton, Thursday was supposed to be the reevaluation point. Um, it looks like he's going to miss you know a few more games past Thursday. As far as tonight's concerned, you have the Pacers and Bulls both tied for ninth in the Eastern Conference. So for those plugged into the playoff standings. With, what, 34 games to go this season? I guess this game matters. We're not,
2: we're not far off. We're not far off from the Tankathon, right? Actually, how many games are left? <laughs>
1: what are they right now? What's their record? Yeah, 34. Uh, 23 and 25, so 34 to go. So they've
2: got to go 27. They've got to go 7 and 27 down the stretch for you, right? You're, you're fine. Yeah, You're yeah. fine.
1: Tell that to someone after seven straight losses. We have the swoosh. There we go. Uh, AP College
2: basketball, top 25. Purdue back at number one, just ahead of Alabama, Houston, Tennessee, and Kansas State. And what looks like, actually, the teams that are all going to be vying for the Capital One Bowl. Arizona, Virginia, UCLA, Kansas, Texas rounding out the top 10, although Kansas losing again last night to Baylor. The Bears are 17th ranked. Indiana, the only other Big Ten team in the top 27. That's because they come in at 27th. New to the poll is St. Mary's at 22. Coaches poll looking virtually the same. Purdue, Alabama, Houston. The top three in the land.
1: Speaking of Indiana, Trace Jackson Davis, Big Ten player of the week, thirty-three and twelve. You throw in four and a half assists and four blocks. It was quite the week for Trace Jackson Davis. Jake, he's got to end his career. What? Top three, four all time score? Depends on if he comes back. Even if he doesn't, isn't he still gonna be really high on that he, list? He's
2: having statistically as good a season probably as we've seen since I I mean I would think pre Zeller. DJ White mean, DJ White had a really good final year. Uh, Allen Henderson, I think the creme de la creme is Allen Henderson's final year. Uh, the highest single-season scoring average under Bob Knight, but he also was a rebounding assist and steals machine.
1: Who's the second-best team in the Big Ten?
2: When they're playing like they are right now, it's probably Indiana. But I realize in the standings, that doesn't reflect.
1: Um, got nine teams with three nine, or four nine. losses. Yeah, I would make an argument for IU. I don't know Michigan, Rutgers, uh, Rutgers. You got to give I mean State if they get. You got to give a tip of
2: the cap to Rutgers, right? I mean, they've played well. Um, I, do you really think it's Northwestern or Penn State? No, I, hell no. Yeah, I think it's probably Indiana. I mean, once Indiana had that stretch there, but kudos to Indiana and Mike Woodson because it looked like they were teetering on disaster, and now, indeed, maybe they've righted the ship a little Big time.
1: And beating teams that are legit tournament teams by double digits. Um, (laughs) IU women got a win last night over Michigan. They've had a huge one Thursday with top five Ohio State coming to Assembly Hall. Um, For the men's programs, it'll be Indiana at Minnesota Wednesday night, and Purdue is at Michigan this week. And, Jake, we teased it a little bit earlier. Former great NFL offensive lineman and Colts coach takes high school job. Not Jeff Saturday. That would be Kevin Mawai. And he was coaching where? The assistant O-line coach for the Indianapolis Colts. He is off to Lipscomb Academy in Nashville to coach their high school team. The person that he takes over for? The former Lipscomb Academy high school coach. Correct. Uh huh.
2: Oh boy. Uh,
1: You're not familiar with the Fighting Tigers. This is the high school. Correct, Lipscomb Academy. Yep, defending state champs.
2: Lipscomb Academy. Is their their logo should be like the Rolling Stones logo, right?
1: Wouldn't that make sense? Uh, you could probably make a good argument there.
2: Okay, so you're telling me that they have a high school coach that is leaving, and I've heard of this high school coach? 1,000%. Theoretically, then, he has to have been a college star in the state of Tennessee. Is that right?
1: Or uh, a, not necessarily, A professional no. player in Tennessee? Not necessarily. He has no connection to Tennessee? I don't think there's a ton of... I mean, it's not Peyton Manning by any means. This guy is a Super Bowl winner at quarterback. Brad Johnson, <sighs> right thought process there. Trent Dilfer going to take the job at UAB. How about the finalists for the head coaching gig? Kevin Malai, Jason Witten, and John Kitna
2: for the high school head coaching for the job. Lipscomb Now, did they also tweet out every time they interviewed somebody? We have completed an interview with Jason Witten. We will announce our final pairings, and you can vote on Twitter. Retweet if you want Jason Witten. Like if you want Kevin Mawai. Is that how that worked?
1: I, I did not see anything on
2: that. And what school? Him,
1: this has to be like a private school, right? Like a buddy of mine uh, who lives in Nashville. He compared the school to kind of a covenant Park Christian Tudor. here from a size-wise standpoint. Park Tudor, I guess, would be a similar size as well, um, but not like this, you know, incredible power that just is winning six ace titles necessarily in the tennessee area i do think it's something worth noting obviously the colts coaches their future is very much up in the air did you catch the reggie wayne tweet from over the weekend said well
2: i saw the one where he said snow's coming i'm out of here uh
1: damn the coaching side of the league may be more cutthroat than the player side
2: yeah people coming for his job
1: I think it's just a reminder of the chaos that can ensue once we start to get some dominoes to fall in the head coaching search. We got a little bit of Colts news on that. We can get to Joel Erickson going to join us at eight, Tony East at nine. The Miles Turner contract situation should the Pacers shelve out that money for their big man? We can discuss that as well. Kevin Aquari on a Tuesday. (laughs)
5: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclib 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
6: When St. Jude opened in 1962, childhood cancer was considered incurable. Since then, St. Jude has helped push the overall survival rate from 20% to more than 80%. St. Jude won't stop until no child dies from cancer. Join me today in supporting St. Jude by calling one 800 That's one 800 to become a partner in hope. Your gift to St. Jude could last a lifetime.
2: On a Tuesday morning, actually looks like a decent start outside. At least it's dry in comparison to yesterday. My name is Jake Query. Kevin Bowen here as well. It is Kevin and Query, 93.5, 107.5, the fan. Pacers returning back home tonight, trying to get on the right side of things after what has been obviously an ugly stretch. No Tyrese Halliburton, but a seven game skid. Chicago, the opponent. Um, but the other thing, I guess, Kevin, when you look at the Pacers season right now, in addition to. Simply looking at X's and O's, W's and L's, you're also looking at roster, and Miles Turner comes into play big
1: time. Yeah, and again, February 9th, the trade deadline, so that is two weeks from Thursday. You know, it's been reported now, I think for several weeks, that the Pacers and Miles Turner have begun contract extension negotiations. I think the most recent report is the Turner camp turned down the Pacers' offer. Um, again, Miles has changed agents here lately. He's never been a free agent in the NBA, but that could happen um, this offseason. Jake, I think we have to look a little bit big picture if the Pacers do extend Turner and what that does to this rebuild. Um, If you're going to extend Turner, the pros and cons of it. The pros of it, you continue to have one of the top rim protectors in the NBA. Your defense, which... Honestly, struggles at times when Turner's on the floor. Um, wouldn't be kind of in this laughing stock of the league. You would stabilize a position that I would say one of the few disappointing aspects to this Pacers season has been the development of Isaiah Jackson, Jalen Smith, and Goga, if you want to throw Goga into that group. You haven't gotten a lot out of those backup young guys that you're like, oh yeah, you know? That's Andrew Nemhard promise, or yeah. you know, someone that has shown a little Aaron Niesmith, someone that's shown a little bit more in a guard or wing. So I think those are the pros. The cons of it: you're paying Turner a very, very high bill at a position that championship teams just don't value at all. Um, Turner would be the highest-paid player on the team. That wouldn't last very long. Halliburton will eclipse him when he gets his extension. But Turner would be the second highest-paid player, Jake. For the Pacers, and that would likely be the case for several years. I looked up last night these names, and I'll first name them for you and then explain. Clay Thompson, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard, Kevin Durant. Okay. Probably five Hall of Famers. Probably five first ballot, if that's such a thing, in the NBA. Jake, those are the second highest paid players in the last five championship teams. Don't think Miles Turner falls into that category. I think the Pacers' goal in a rebuild, when you haven't done it in three decades, should be to swing for the fences. And using that money that you'd give to Turner and having flexibility to take on trades, i.e. Buddy Heels' contract, what we saw them do last February, and just being a little bit more of a we can pivot and we can um, be able to... Involve ourselves in other talks around the league to acquire a wing, which to me, a wing is more important than acquiring a big. I think it's proven in this league. Um, and you see, like Nick Claxton, he's a leading shot blocker in the NBA. It's not like he was, you know, spent a high draft pick. Brooklyn did not spend a high draft pick on him. Walker Kessler's had a really nice rookie season. That was not some lottery pick either. That's the path that I would take in moving forward at the center position because I think if you can hit on a wing, and kind of patchwork center that is your best chance to try and to get this franchise back to the Paul George, David West era where you were making multiple Eastern Conference Finals runs as opposed to what we saw in the Oladipo era where it was kind of the 4 or 5 seed as a ceiling.
2: When we talked about the Colts, I had said that my concern about the Colts was that their best players, Shaquille Leonard, Jonathan Taylor, Quentin Nelson, that they were in positions, or that they had put their best players in the positions that were of the least relevance in a transitioning away from that style in the NFL. And that it was the equivalent of having Anthony Mason, Sam Cassell, and like Patrick Ewing as your three best NBA players today. So therefore, it would be probably inconsistent of me to champion the cause of re-signing Miles Turner because, to your point, the center position is devalued. It is probably the guard or running back position in the NFL today. Except, Kevin Pritchard had a very definitive intrigue and idea and envisioned game plan about the way this Pacers team was built that was predicated on how Miles Turner would respond to the interior passing, the lob passing, and the pacing set by Tyrese Halliburton. And they wanted to see, and Kevin Pritchard more than anything else wanted to see how is Miles going to shoot the ball this year. Now that Sabonis is gone, what's gonna happen with Miles Turner in terms of his shooting? when domas sabonis who's a wonderful talent was here the pacers charted very specifically what happened in terms of number of people that touched the ball in half court sets when sabonis was on the floor versus when turner was on the floor and what they established was or determined was that when turner was on the floor the ball movement was was much more fluid and in that capacity that Turner, even though he was a center defensively, that offensively he was more of like a wing. And so they basically said, if we were to move Sabonis to open things up on our half-court offensive sets, then what are we going to get out of him defensively? And he has responded in the fact that I think his rim protection and his facilitation towards pacing the opposite direction has been probably better than it's been in a long time. So he has responded, I think, very well and is a very important piece towards Halliburton, all those, you know, Nimhard, Neesmith. The other thing that Turner does that I think is really important, Kevin, defensively speaking, you still are a team. And and to your point, which is a good one, to your point, this maybe becomes a little bit nullified if you were able to get yourself an additional wing defender. But for right now, You have Aaron Neesmith, who is growing and developing as a wing on the defensive side of the ball and looks to be a good wing defender, but still has room to grow. And then you have like Nimhard or Matherin that have some, a lot of growth to do defensively in the backcourt. Not saying they don't, that they're not good defenders, but they're not the full length size of like a Paul George defender. So. If you have guys that are going that have the, the potential to be beaten on the wings, then it becomes even more important to have that final rim protection. In other words, what I'm getting at long-winded and circuitously here is Miles Turner, to me, is in a unique situation because his value to the Indiana Pacers is likely higher than his value elsewhere in the league. And I think that other teams are going to look at the style of play and the way that Indiana's built, and they're going to say... Look, Miles Turner's a good player for Indiana, and he could be a good player for us. But we ain't gonna pay him what Indiana's gonna pay him. So I think in the end he ends up staying here. Quite frankly,
1: because you think I, he signs an extension the next two weeks? I do, and I and and
2: I am in agreement with you that if he does not, yeah, you have to. Let, let me rephrase that, Kevin. I don't know whether he will sign it here or not. And I have all the respect in the world for guys. Miles Turner's a native of the Dallas area. If Miles Turner gets an opportunity to go play for the Mavericks or even the Rockets or the Spurs and he wants to be close to
1: home. I, oh, sure. I mean, the Pacers just offered DeAndre in the max. I Miles mean, Turner earned, has
2: earned the right to experience free agency. Totally. So so my point being, um, do I think he's going to re-sign here? I, I, I actually am not qualified to answer that because I don't know his thinking there or what he's going to get offered. But I do think that, yes, Indiana will prioritize signing him over trying to then trade
1: him. And again, this is a mute point, Jake, if he doesn't sign that extension. Because, you know, as I've said all along, then you have to trade I, him. I would agree with that. Obviously, you've got to get something at that point. I just would have hesitancy. And again, I can fully acknowledge, I think Turner is a very important piece to what the Pacers have right now. I just don't like pain centers that have had some injury history into their 30s, the amount of money that you would spend on Miles Turner, the amount of money that is, you know, in a similar way to what Durant and Kawhi and Anthony Davis and Clay Thompson have gotten on these championship teams in recent years. I get that part of that is just how the cap go, you know, goes up and guys that have been in the league for as long as Turner have some merit to this contract. But I look at center as one of the more easily replaceable positions. Are you going to be able to find a center that blocks shots at the level he does and shoots 40% from three or whatever his percentage is? No. But can you make up for it? In other areas, because I think no. you, you have to remind yourself, if you give Turner this this money and then you extend Halliburton, you're pretty much done from a cap space standpoint. And I know when people hear cap space, they think free agency. But the reason why you were able to pull off the Halliburton, Buddy Heald, Sabonis, Holiday, Justin Holiday trade was because you were in a great cap situation as well. So if you're going to commit to Turner... I just think we need to remind ourselves, you've pretty much committed to this current core. Maybe you hit on the late lottery pick coming up in 2023, but that's really it for what you have from a core standpoint. So are you betting on this group right now to be your championship group for the next five years? I'm not willing to bet on that. You
2: know, realistically on this show, you're Halliburton and I'm Miles Turner. You're, You're the young upstart multi-talented guy and i'm the veteran that 50 percent of our audience tolerates and the other 50 is stunned them still here <laughs> right isn't that right <laughs>
1: we can debate those percentages <laughs> during the break maybe uh joel eric
5: whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits long live listening to your favorites learn more about cascali ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if cascali is right for you
1: And joins us next. Continue <laughs> that Miles Turner conversation coming up when Tony East joins us around nine o'clock. The latest on the Colts head coaching search: pretty quiet start to the week. I think that's kind of the expectation, unless the Colts want to go with second interviews from uh, guys that are out of the playoffs. Tom Pelicero earlier today mentioned this report for Dan Quinn, the Cardinals are flying in Dan Quinn tonight for a second interview for their head coaching job. Quinn also is a top candidate for the Broncos and the Colts who want to bring him in later this week. So, Jake, I think that is something to keep in mind. Do you see coveted candidates, and I think Quinn, D'Amico Ryan, Sean Payton, those would qualify as that, they can kind of control some of this. And if they start to be a finalist in a certain area or with a certain franchise, do we see other teams panic a little bit and start to get some dominoes to fall? So um, that'll be something to keep an eye on. Let's talk more about the Colts head coaching search. Joel A. Erickson joins us here from the Indianapolis Star. Joel, good morning. Hey, how's it going, guys? It's going great. Um, good luck with your kids in the snow tomorrow. Are, are we rooting for <laughs> yeah, a snow day in the Erickson household or no? We need
3: we need no we need no full snow day. They, they can be delayed. We don't, we don't need the full snow day, For we don't want the flex day to get uh, get taken up a great uh, for HSE
1: schools. God yep. about the old flex day. Where, where do they slot uh, that, like in the springtime somewhere?
3: No, it's like right in February, which if the Colts uh, get their coaching search done by... Towards the by the middle of February, I'd actually have time. Oh, this thing's Uh,
2: going into July, man. I I mean.
3: I know it's Indy 500
2: week, but later today the Colts are announcing their final two. Be sure to call in 800-999 if you want Jeff Saturday. I I mean, that's what it feels like to me, Joel. I'm becoming more and more cynical by the day.
1: Joel, are are you surprised by how things have unfolded here two weeks in, whether it's the amount of names? um, I think Chris Boward kind of warned us patience would be preached. And I mentioned this earlier. He interviewed five candidates in 2018 and hired Josh McDaniels. If he was interviewing five candidates right now and made a hire, I think people would be absolutely ripping him for doing the same thing he did in 2018.
3: Yeah, I think so, too. I I think, you know, what Ballard telegraphed all this to us, I think. He he said, because he said it's going to be a wide-ranging search. Doesn't matter offense or defense. Uh, He said the thing, but I don't care if this goes till mid-February. We're going to be patient. We're going to take our time. We're going to get it right. Uh, so, from from what he told us in his press conference, it's gone pretty much that way so far. Joel,
2: I'm going to give you multiple choice here, okay? And I'll try to make it as concise as possible. A, Chris Ballard is publicly doing a vast search because he wants to do everything he can to prohibit Jim Irsay from hiring Jeff Saturday. B, Chris Ballard is doing an exhaustive, long-form search because he knows Jeff Saturday is going to be hired and he wants to at least make the appearance that they did a long search. C, none of the above. Uh,
3: so, on B, uh, I keep seeing that um, floated as a possibility. You know, if you, you tweet out an interview or whatever, fans will say, you know they're just doing this to to cover their tracks for when they hire Saturday. I don't think that would actually work. If if, that's what they're, if, that's, if that is, in fact, what they're trying to do, I, think, I don't think it would work. I think that the reaction, regardless, it would almost make it worse, maybe, um, in terms of the reaction with people saying, hey, you brought all these guys in for interviews, and then you gave them sham interviews to hire the guy you were going to hire in the first place. I don't think that would work at all, actually. So, uh, A seems like the most likely version to me because I, I think Chris is smart enough to understand how that would be perceived. Uh, now, I, obviously, they could still go with him, but I, I don't think I don't think them interviewing a bunch of people is going to help the reaction uh, in any way, shape, or form, either nationally or locally. Uh, if they hire Jeff Saturday,
2: do you think it's unusual though that and? I get it, and, and I, I can appreciate the transparency because they've taken the, the the meat out of the hands of the speculative. My sources tell me this person's being interviewed and whatever else. So they're being transparent. Kudos to them for that. I guess we should appreciate that from a media perspective. However, do you find it unusual that Chris Ballard would go through this entire process to Jen, then just hand over and let Jim say make the pick?
3: Um. No, I mean, ultimately, technically, the owner is going to make the pick anyway because it's one of the three... Ursae has said before, he thinks it's it's his, you know, top... His, his job is to handle the top three positions, uh, the three pillars, the, you know, coach, quarterback, and GM. Um, it It is probably a little bit... It, usually when you make that decision, though, and you hand it over, the GM is expecting that his pick is going to uh, get greenlit. So... That's that I think is the most interesting piece of this to me is uh, is this going to go the way it would go in most NFL cities where the GM's pick is is probably going to get greenlit, or is it going to go the way we've wondered if it's going to go where it's Ballard does a lot of work and recommends somebody, and then NCA so hires who he wants to hire.
1: He's Joel Erickson for the Apple Star. He's with us here on the Pay Less Liquors Hotline. How about this from Brian here? jake i recently found out that joel's wife is my son's kindergarten teacher she's good people no oh, okay that's cool uh, mrs erickson running a great classroom there in the hsc school district so there we go i yeah. like that yeah i like sh- that shout out there thank you for sharing that brian uh if she's anything like her husband i can only uh assume she is good people um this might sound like a ludicrous statement to make but it's jim mercy so i don't think it's that ludicrous joel do you think jim Mersey's is paying attention to social media and sees the venom towards Jeff Saturday.
3: I I thought that he was paying attention towards social media during the season. I thought I, I felt like some of the stuff that he was saying.
1: Boy, was that directed. Yeah, that tweet after the Raiders game.
3: Yeah, was directed was directed directly at social media, um, and I, I mean. He never referenced like Twitter or anything like that. But like you said, the tweet after the Raiders game, some of the other, some of the stuff he said in the press conference felt like it was direct responses to stuff I've been seeing uh, on social media. And if if he is paying attention to it, I I think like, like you said, you you have to know that the fan base would not be excited about that. Um, you know, one of the Colts. Uh, well, you know there, there's lots of Colts fans who are who have pretty big Twitter followings and one of them is ZV uh, Jones, the guy named Cannon, who's a pretty good dude, and he tweeted a poll last weekend, uh, you know, when it was basically who do you, who do you want as a Colts fan as, as coach Jeff Saturday or anybody else? I think it was like 92 to eight against 92 percent to eight percent again, and and I, I feel like that if you look at like when they tweeted out the interview and all the replies to it. I think it would be surprising to me if they didn't know how the fans feel about it at this point, because the the replies to that tweet was it was like twenty five it felt like twenty five to one again, uh, making that higher. So it, I do think that they probably have to know something about the way the fan base is feeling, at least the way we're seeing it play out on social media.
1: Joel, I think we asked you this a couple weeks ago. And again, Joel A. Erickson is with us from the Indianapolis Star. And now that it's played out that Sean Payton has interviewed with four of the five teams that have an opening, he has not interviewed with Indianapolis. Is that Sean Payton balking at the Colts, considering his public comments about stability and ownership in front office? Or do you think it's the Colts having hesitation about giving up whatever draft pick they would need to for Sean Payton?
3: So I've I've poked around on this. Obviously, I used to cover the Saints in New Orleans. I poked around on this, and and it's kind of hard to pin down. With it, Peyton, the ownership thing with Peyton is is that's not lip service. He really does mean that, and he has uh, it has influenced his decisions in the past with what he believe what he thinks about the ownership group. So I, I definitely think that that's there's there's you know, weight behind the words of what he says. And then obviously the other thing he said was when he went on the Colin Cowherd thing, he thought it would be a mid to late round first, uh, first round pick the Colts. Obviously their pick is the fourth pick in the draft. Um, I don't know that there's gosh, maybe any coach that I would trade a pick that I could get a franchise quarterback for. Um, and I, I, think the saints, uh, do want to get at least a first round pick out of this. So, uh, I, I I could be either one, and I was I've never been able to pin down exactly quite which one it is, or if it's a combination of both. Uh, it could be a combination of both things as they went through the the vet, as they went through the the initial process. Um, Peyton got have told the thing, hey, I you know hold them up for a ransom, and then they did, and the Colts were like, I don't want to pay that. So, um, but it is interesting because it is four of the five, uh, and you know my my friend Nick Underhill who's uh, the guy on the same speed reported that all five teams inquired. So the Colts definitely inquired, and it just never went beyond that, uh, which is interesting.
2: Joel, do you believe that there's the possibility that of the openings in the NFL, that the Indianapolis Colts are lower on a coach who has some flexibility of where he goes in other words, if a coach is looking at multiple options, you're Dan Quinn, you've got Arizona, you've got Denver, you've got Indianapolis, do you think there's the possibility that Indianapolis slots lower because of unreasonable expectation from the owner as to how close the franchise is to being competitive?
3: Uh, I think I think that's definitely possible. I mean, it's definitely possible, and I think there's some other things, that the other factors that could push those other jobs up. I mean, Denver... Uh, You have a quarterback who played terribly last year, but it's it's also a quarterback who's, you know, been a top-eight quarterback before in the league. Plus, they have very, very deep-pocketed owners uh, who are willing to do just about whatever it takes uh, in their new ownership. Arizona's got a quarterback. Houston has a ton of draft capital. um, And uh, Carolina also has incredibly deep pockets uh, in the ownership group. And so... Um, I I do think that based on what we know, depending on, you know, and, you know, we, we, we haven't had any reports about what the, what the Colts are offering their, their head coach, obviously Frank, Reich, based on what we know of what he was getting paid, they have, they have the ability to pay a head coach, um, a significant contract, but yeah, I, I do think that there are reasons that it, it, it looks like that you would maybe put them as fifth or fourth on the list. And Probably fifth. Although Carolina, Carolina's quarterback situation would scare me, um, but it hasn't seemed to scare off the coaching candidates.
1: Again, he's Joel Erickson from the Indianapolis Star. Not only does he cover the Colts, but he's married to an extremely impressive kindergarten teacher in the HSC School <laughs> District. We learned that from Brian this morning. So thank you for sharing that. Uh, again, Joel is with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. All right, Joel, thirteen candidates. I want to say six offense, five defense. Throw Jeff Saturday, I guess, on offense, maybe. Um, Bubba Ventrone, Rich Passaccia, the two special teams coordinators. Give me an offensive candidate and a defensive candidate that stands out for you. Uh,
3: Quinn, and I'm going to give you two defensive candidates right off the bat. Uh, Quinn and uh, and Raheem Morris stand out to me because they're the ones who've got experience in the role. Um.
1: The only candidates that have yeah. coaching experience,
3: who have who have the full full off season coaching experience uh, in the role, and that's that, that's interesting because sometimes you know sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes you end up. Uh, Dan Quinn got undone a little bit in Atlanta because they could never quite get the defensive talent he needed. I feel like the Colts' defensive talent is in a pretty good place, um, but I, I, I obviously he's very highly respected. I mean. I think before he even interviewed with Denver, people were like, that might be the guy if they don't get Peyton. Uh, Raheem Morris has been in the McVay system now for a while, which means he has access to all of those uh, offensive coordinators and coaches that run that system that makes life easy on quarterbacks. It was probably a good thing for a rookie to play in. And then on offense, uh, I, Shane Steichen is interesting to me because he's he's a little bit of a continuation for this franchise, because he comes from, uh, Frank Reich's coaching tree, obviously, uh, both, both having coached with Frank and, and now coaching with Nick Sirianni. And then, and then the other one that's interesting and I don't, and you don't know a ton about him is just Brian Callahan's story is interesting to me. I was just looking him up in Cincinnati, like he's got the famous dad, the one of the great offensive line coaches of all time. And, uh, He's on. He's on record as saying he never wanted to use that, and so he's never worked with his dad. It's just, just interesting. Just interesting in a business where there's lots of father-son coaching combos, and usually their paths cross at one point or the other, especially early in the younger one's coaching career. And it's never happened for him. That's that's interesting to me. Um, plus, obviously, the work with Burrow, which we've we've all seen how good Burrow is. Yeah,
2: and Burrow is pretty darn good coming out of college. I mean, I am not taking anything away from him, right? Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, you are right. No, you are fair. I That's mean, fair. you know that. Let me let me read you something. Joel A. Erickson is our guest. Indianapolis Stars, where you can read his work. He's on the Pale Sickers hotline. To be fair to Jeff Saturday, I, I guess to provide both sides of the coin, I want to read you something, Joel, and I want you to respond to it. But this was just sent to me by James. As a Colts fan, I want Jeff Saturday to have a full season with an experienced play caller. He wasn't afraid to call out the offensive line for not protecting their quarterback. I don't really care who media or others think should be the coach, he should be given a fair shake. Is that a fair statement?
3: I I my my thing has always been that he he did get a fair shake, and it's not from me or the media saying it it's from him saying it, and from the owner saying it, and Jim Irsay said again, you know, it's a it's a good reminder. When he had the opening press conference, we saw them going down, and I we had to do something to stop it, and that's that was the re- that was one of the reasons given for hiring Jeff Saturday. Saturday said over and over again, I'm being judged on W's and L's here. That's all I care about. Every decision he made, he said was about was about wins, and so it's it's not us. I don't think it's us in the media focusing unduly on on his record. It's it's us holding them to the standard that they set for themselves.
1: And Joel e. Erickson is with us here from the Indianapolis Star. Joel, I think one thing that Jim Irsey and Chris Ballard do align on in this search is wanting the type of personality that Jeff Saturday has, and a little bit more. You know, it doesn't have to be crazy fire and brimstone, but just a little bit more of that than maybe Frank Reich was offering. And I know that has to come off as sounding like a shot at Frank Reich. It's typically just how people operate with hires. You typically hire the 180 from the previous guy. I mean, the the Pacers certainly followed that script and going from Nate McMillan to Nate Nate and to Rick Carlisle. Um, so I assume the Colts would do the same thing. Given that, given a little bit more whatever, public accountability, fire and brimstone, however you want to call it, which candidates from what you know would kind of fit that script? Uh,
3: so D'Amico Ryan's, uh I know when they were asking him about his his uh, evolution as a coach, uh, they were kind of, the, the, the writers in San Francisco were kind of asking him questions about like him having to learn to soften up a little bit because <laughs> he's so in because he you know he's a former linebacker his tendency is to be intense um, so he's he's one that i think would fall into that that category um, you know uh, he, he's the one that sticks out that's the one that, that I'm, i i've I've looked at 13 of these guys and so some of its running together sure but that was the one that sticks out is like somebody who kind of had that reputation i think there's a few more of them. Um, I think I think the biggest thing though is, and and this may have been this may have been one of the things that that uh, hurt Reich like, uh, was if, if you're not the fire and brimstone guy, you have to make sure you have to have those guys on the staff in certain in in the right spots. And I don't necessarily know um, if they quite replaced Sirianni was that guy right? Marcus Brady and
1: Frank Reich were too similar, in my opinion, in that regard. Uh, and so
3: I want, and so even if you're not hiring that guy, you like, it's got to be part of the staff consideration of, uh, you know, do you have somebody else who's going to bring that if you're, if you're bringing more of the positive energy type of, type of coach.
1: Joel, last one from me. Um, do you think Chris Ballard and or Jim Mersey put any stock in last year? Six of the eight final coaches came from offensive backgrounds. Of the final four teams last year, all four offensive background coach. This year, seven of the eight final teams, offensive background. And again, all four left in the playoffs come from offensive backgrounds. Do you think Ballard and or Ursa put much stock into that?
3: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, Obviously, the search hasn't gone. like It's not like Carolina where they have their interim coach and then everybody else is an offensive guy. Um, But it's, it, it's a good question because I don't – all Ballard said was that he was open to offensive or defensive sides of the ball. But given that we're expecting them to draft a rookie quarterback, given what the head coach can add, uh, even if he's not calling the plays, you know, like Nick Sirianni's not calling the plays in Philadelphia. But I think, obviously, him and Sykin are working pretty heavily together on the game plan. It, it's something that has to be taken into consideration. It's, it's just the way the NFL has been trending. Like you said, it, it's 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 supposed to be a results-based business. In the last couple of years, the results say that offensive-based coaches have a have a better chance of getting further. Um, but, I mean, I, I would guess, my guess would be going, or just talking to Chris Ballard in the past, that he would feel like a defensive background doesn't preclude you as long as you're going to hire the right kind of staff. Um, that's actually one of the reasons that Raheem Morris is interesting to me, too, is because he's kind of both. Uh, which is which is a different kind a of, which is a different background obviously primarily defense but spent spent four years i think as a wide receivers coach in atlanta joel
1: under dan quinn
2: this year and i've made this reference several times on this program but this past year when i was calling the indy 500 marcus erickson was a name that didn't have a lot of clout and cachet before winning the indy 500 But when I went back and looked at the race and looked at my little flip chart that I do when I write down the top eight on restarts and stuff when I'm calling the turns, I thought to myself, you know, when he was the name, he was the driver that was in the top eight the entire race. Other guys, you know, he, he wasn't in the lead the whole time, but he was just there the entire time. And and then he ends up winning the race. Give me the one coach that, as you have been covering this coaching search. It doesn't necessarily mean that he's the guy you think may end up with the job or that you would put your money on, but you keep going back to him, and he keeps getting mentioned, and he keeps seemingly surfacing as one that you can't overlook. It would be who?
3: I, I think Morris falls into that category. The head coaching experience when he was really young, um, There's there's been a push both publicly and privately on his candid- candidacy from Sean McVay. Uh, the, the, the experience on both sides of the ball, uh, McVay saying a lot of stuff about how Raheem Morris has been an advisor to him. Like, in terms of, you know, markers that you're talking about that might slip through, I think that's the kind of stuff that maybe people don't look at as much. But in terms of getting prepared and doing all that stuff, that that's kind of what feels like that to me. Is like he's, he's spent a long time now in a lot of different systems rebuilding his resume after what happened in Tampa. And... And then on top of that, he has he actually has the experience of, of having been in Tampa as a head coach uh, on his own, too. So I, I think that that's, he's probably the one that feels like that.
1: He is Team Two-Hour Delay tomorrow morning. He is Joel A. Erickson uh, <laughs> from the Indianapolis Star. Joel, I think you're going to get your wish. I don't know. I feel like sometimes when you get out into the you know HSC school district, my, my mom actually used to teach in that school district, I feel like they cited a little bit more snow, flat-out snow day, than just the Two-Hour Delay.
3: Yeah, i i I don't know if I have a good feel for it over the last couple of years. I feel like I haven't uh, had any
1: this year, have we?
3: No, there hasn't really been anything that would warrant it, um, and it's it's hard to remember. Uh, I I know I know the people making the call, and uh, uh, you know they they do a good job. I I have to give a shout out to our, our road crew too because my brother's on the road crew here at Fisher's, so. Uh, they they do a good job out here with the roads but I, I don't I don't know if I have a good idea of of which way it goes in terms of sounds
1: like your brother's got, got some control go. if he just oversleeps and then all of a sudden <laughs> roads don't get plowed and we're going snow day <laughs>
3: uh maybe maybe um he's 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 pretty he's pretty big on the on the clearing though he likes to have his section be be you know as as good as it can sure. be.
1: Sure. Well, it'll be something to watch, of course, tomorrow morning. Joel, thanks for the time, man.
3: Yeah, you bet. Oh, his other advice is don't drive around snowplows. That's a bad idea. Yeah,
1: I uh, let them control yeah, the roadways I, that tomorrow.
2: Would be an yeah. Awesome gig. Follow I, I would, them. I would Thank you, Joel. love to do that. Drive a snowplow would be an awesome gig.
1: By the way, um, I was confused when they're driving and the plow isn't all the way down. Yeah, or just
2: that, yeah, the scraping noise. Yeah. just kind of yeah.
1: Um, yesterday.
2: Mark Dykton deviated from our typical give-us-five-words-to-explain-a-Colts-game tweet and shifted it to to give-us-the-words-to-explain-the-Colts-coaching-search. We will get into that coming up in about 10 or 15 minutes, but before that, it is time for a morning check-down, including news of one coach making a move back to familiar territory in the NFL.
0: The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The
1: Fan. Begin on the um, Tyrese Halliburton front. It's approaching now two weeks for his absence. Sounds like it's more left elbow related than left knee. Was on the court yesterday at practice. Um, The reevaluation date for him was supposed to be this Thursday, January 26th. Halliburton has mentioned um, that a little bit more end of the month so it sounds like his absence will continue as the Pacers are back in action tonight Chicago tomorrow in Orlando a back to back here was Rick Carlisle yesterday on the Halliburton update Tyrese
4: was, uh, was was here and uh, he participated in parts of practice he's getting, he's getting a little better all the time uh, don't have a timetable he actually participated in a little bit of the non-contact stuff
2: for court which was great to see and uh you know, any any little thing that uh, can be uplifting is important. Again, Pacers at the Fieldhouse tonight, taking on Chicago in the NFL. Bill O'Brien returning to New England. He will be the offensive coordinator for the Patriots. That news coming out earlier this morning. That means that O'Brien uh, reconnects with Mac Jones, right?
1: Yes, they're Alabama days, of course, on that front. On the Colts head coaching front, you're seeing a couple of names get second interviews. We can go over this when we come back from the break just to go over kind of the rules of where we're at right now. But Dan Quinn heading to Arizona for a second interview. Mike Kafka, the Giants OC, heading to Houston for a second interview. Both of those names on the Colts list. Again, those teams are out of the playoffs, Cowboys, Giants, respectively. So uh, those coaches can do that. Uh, If the Colts want to talk to any of these coaches here in the Final Four, they've got to wait until Monday to have another chat or in D'Amico Ryan's case, have a first conversation with him. So just some stuff to keep in mind on the Colts' coaching front. Uh, Jake Purdue back to number one in both the AP and the coaches poll, and they're the only Big Ten team, right, in either poll.
2: That is correct. Indiana is second in the receiving votes. Technically, I guess that puts them at twenty seventh. Rutgers is just behind them. Indiana was sixty one votes. Rutgers thirty one. But Purdue, the number one team in the land, followed by Alabama. Houston, Tennessee, and Kansas State. That's in the AP poll. Taking a look at the coaches poll, it it is exactly the same. Kansas, who was 9th, losing last night to Baylor, who was 17th. So one would think the Jayhawks' three-game skid will drop them even further. Kevin, give me a number 1 through 25. Uh, let's go with 18. Number 18, that is... Ooh, you got kind of the fun team. College of Charleston. Oh, yeah. Pat College Kelsey. of Charleston. I think
1: there's some interest from Notre Dame. I uh, Mark...
2: Thirteen. Number thirteen for Mark Dyken. Uh Mark has Xavier, which continues to be a solid road win for Indiana. Um, that's in the AP poll In the coaches poll. It is Tyrese Halliburton's Iowa State Cyclones. Finally, Mark, give me a number for me. Eight. No. Num- Eleven. 11. The number 11 team in the land is Texas Christian, who blew out Kansas over the weekend, vaulting them just outside the top 10.
1: Trace Jackson Davis, Big Ten Player of the Week, Indiana back in action at Minnesota. It's a 9 o'clock tip tomorrow night. Purdue is also in the 9 o'clock slot. That is on Thursday night. They go to Ann Arbor to try and continue their undefeated mark in the big 10 and this from jason which now i feel like an idiot because it makes total sense after he says this if the plow is all the way down it does not allow for the blade to shift with the road the plow would take chunks out of the road when it meets an uneven surface ah uh, okay and jake we have several uneven surfaces i would say <laughs> around yeah, that the exactly. inside and outside of 465 so thank you jason for that and of course thinking about everybody from a uh, plowing salting standpoint i know it's a lot of long hours here in the next 24 48 hours so appreciate all the help on just that just lock front. it into
2: 93.5, 107.5, and rip off the knob drive Perfect, that right? bad boy all around
1: town i love that uh tony he's going to talk a little pacers coming up at the nine o'clock hour we'll update you on the colt's head coaching search here between now and then
5: whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclib 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
6: When St. Jude opened in 1962, childhood cancer was considered incurable. Since then, St. Jude has helped push the overall survival rate from 20% to more than 80%. St. Jude won't stop until no child dies from cancer. Join me today in supporting St. Jude by calling 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898 to become a partner in hope. Your gift to St. Jude could last a lifetime.
1: Kevin and Query, 93.51075, the fan. After Colts games
2: on the Kevin and Query Twitter page, which is at Kevin and Query, I wonder if we openly lobby for followers right now. How many we can get by the end of the segment? Boy, at Kevin and Query—that's K-E-V-I-N A-N-D Q-U-E-R-Y at Kevin and Say Inquiry. under
1: promise, over deliver, or something like that. I, What's you, the old phrase? You—you you can mute us. Just hit the follow button. Yeah, right? boy, we could get humbled real quick after <laughs> looking at that follower count. But here's
2: the thing: on it. Uh, Mark Dykton had sent a tweet, typically after games, we send out the tweet that says, tell us in, is it four or five words, Mark? Five words or fewer. Um, so the way that we do it is tell us in that, summarize different aspects of Colts games and things like that. So we, we deviated because there's obviously no Colts game to talk about. Uh, He says, we're on air and rolling into Monday morning, this was obviously on Sunday, to recap a busy sports weekend, um, including the head coaching search, but with no Colts game, please describe your thoughts on the head coaching search, and I figured we'd read some of the responses because there seems to be kind of a theme on these, right?
1: People are pissed how long it's taken.
3: And maybe some specific candidates that are. Yeah, it doesn't look like a lot of
1: Jeff Saturday love. Luca, please pick anyone but Saturday. I like this one from AJ. We all know what's coming. (laughs) Rob, random, indecisive, scattered. (laughs) Chris, Ballard proves he is clueless. JP waiting to be let down. And then Bill (laughs) K said one big cluster blank. Uh, Jordan Shanks upper quartile of coaching searches. Uh, I always like a good quartile. Will, Will.
2: Haskett, am I up next?
1: <laughs> yeah. David Thrush, just don't mess it up.
2: This is uh, you might have read this one, Jeremy. More worried about quarterback. I think a lot of people feel that
1: Agre- way. Hey, quarterback's more important than head coach. I mean, I, I know there's a level of, they go hand in hand, but <laughs> CVM says all this to hire Saturday. Like the Energizer Bunny, keeps going. (laughs) The vibe of all of these tweets makes me go back to this comment from Jim. And again, this is longer than five words. Jim was just tweeting at us a little bit earlier. Jim goes, a huge reason the coaching search is really wearing Colts fans out is because it began with half of us already fearing they might actually name Jeff Saturday head coach.
2: Yeah. I think that's spot on. Uh, This from Michael. Jake, Kevin, Mark, please apply. (laughs) My interview is later this week. I think. I don't know if you guys read this one already. But I think a lot of people feel this way. Steve has this one. This is his four words to describe the Colts coaching search. Not real. Hiring Saturday.
1: Do you have any thoughts on that question I just asked Joel Erickson? Do you think Jim Mercer looks at that stuff? Do you think Jim Mercer cares? I mean, he's got to be getting tagged in a lot of stuff. Do you think the hashtag ChuckStay... Had any influence on Chuck Pagano staying for that 2017 season? I
2: don't think he should look at it. I do think that he does. I think it's human nature to an extent.
1: Do you think he lets it influence him? Do you think it did with Chuck Pagano?
2: Do you think it will with Jeff Saturday? Yes. Uh, With Saturday – Kevin, I'm going to say this uh, – I'm not. That sounded like I'm a parent to you. I'm going to say this again for the final time. I didn't mean it that way, but I have said this a lot, and I will say it again because I truly believe it. I don't blame Jim Mersey for it at all. We've talked a lot on this show, and I have a really good ability to turn a lot of things about me because you know I love me some me. But, but you've heard me mention. We've talked a lot about the fact that, like, take algebra. I absolutely plugged and plotted my way through that algebra class last semester, a 100-level college algebra class, the same algebra that people are taking right now in probably their junior year at Hamilton Southeastern. Because I, when I was in high school and college, I could never pass algebra. And even though I've lived a life where it turns out that not being able to pass algebra, fortunately, did not hold me back, career-wise or from being able to to you know make a living i wanted to always make good on that thing that plagued me i think we as humans have that that's inherent in all of us that there is something that drives us that we feel like we need to complete or make good on mistakes of our past jim Merce has essentially held one job i don't knock him for that at all Uh, He's been around football his whole life. He's worked within the Colts organization since his teen years. But the one job that he held when he had a business card was general manager of the Indianapolis Colts. And he he erred in that capacity. And in his eyes as a competitor, he probably feels that he fell short. And so, therefore, I think that he is largely fueled by his algebra – And that is making good on the areas where he had fallen short. And that is personnel and team building of an NFL franchise. And I think this entire process partially is fueled by his desire to make good on that and complete himself by showing that something that plagued him in the past where he fell short, he now can say, I made good on that. And I think that the Jeff Saturday hire, for example, is the interim coach was largely fueled by that, of going outside the box against the grain so that if it worked out, which I think he thought it was going to, and they went 5-2 and two, or they went 4-4 four and four, and they got into the playoffs somehow, that people would say, that Jim Mercer thought outside the box and outsmarted everybody. And we could see it after the Raiders game when he sent the tweet like, where are the haters now? Or something along those lines. Because he really, I think, totally anticipated that his outside-the-box thinking would show a football acumen that was his version of getting a good grade in algebra. I truly believe that. And I think that still is present. And I think he checks in on what people think. And I don't blame him at all because it makes him human.
1: So this, you look at it as, I want to prove everybody wrong, or? I want to prove myself right. Right. That's the opposite of the Chuck Pagano, though. The Chuck Pagano was he listened to the fan base and he kept Chuck. So this would be the 180 of that? Yeah, I I think that there has been... This would be going against the grain of his fan base. Yeah,
2: I, I I think that if you were to talk to people that are close to Jim Irsay or around the franchise, they would tell you that Jim Irsay today is a different person than he was five years ago. And that there's a little bit of, I think, concern amongst people. He's a very, very good person. I don't mean that. But I think there is some concern amongst people that he is becoming too focused, laser focused on his own impact on the franchise.
1: Yeah, I've mentioned before the Daniel Snyder stuff and how Ursa was beloved by the, really the entire NFL world there for a couple of days. I thought it just got really power trippy for him. Uh, October, end of November, I think you saw that with several... Of the moves he made. I did find it interesting. Joel Erickson pointed this out to us uh, when we had him on last segment that Carolina's interview list is, did he say all offensive coaches? That wouldn't surprise me. And again, the final four this year, all offensive. Last year, all offensive, the final four coaches in the playoffs. You look at the final eight, it's 13 of the 16 coaches over the last two years Carolina's list Sean Payton I saw their interview in Ken Dorsey I believe today they had some interest in Ben Johnson from Detroit Frank Wright Jim Caldwell you think that's the route or you go to the Colts sprinkling in some defensive coaches I think you've you've mentioned Dan Quinn and Raheem Morris well
2: I like Raheem Morris to be honest with you um, that is entirely dependent then Kevin on who you get as your offensive coordinator right I mean, whoever it
1: is... And but- that's the biggest knock of the Dan Quinn resume. You look at what happened when Kyle Shanahan left Atlanta, his tenure bottomed out. How do you sustain that from a defensive side? And if you look at the trend right now in the NFL, it certainly is shifting to that. I know Danny want to talk a little bit about Jeff Saturday. Morning, Danny. Danny. Hey. Hey, sorry morning, about that. No, no worries.
3: There... <clears throat> Just hypothetically, if Saturday were to be hired, how in any way does any quality candidate in the future ever take an interview with the the Indianapolis Colts with Jim Mersey as head coach? That's a fair point. I mean, without having a resume that even feels—I mean, obviously as a player, fantastic—but from a coaching standpoint. It's half a page of a resume versus some of these guys that have been doing this, that live it, breathe it, and they are the real deal. How does anybody want to come to Indianapolis in that case? And secondly, why why didn't Kevin Maui just go ahead and put his uh, his name in the pot instead of coming down to Lipscomb Academy? Yes. I don't know. Maybe they're paying better at Lipscomb. I don't know.
1: <laughs> Thank you, Danny, for the call. It is a very f- fair point. Um, obviously, when you look at the NFL it's still one of 32 but I do think there are some questions around the league that you have of okay why wasn't Sean Payton totally interested why wasn't Jim Hart is D'Amico yeah, right. Ryan's view the Colts a little bit lower on the rung than some of these other jobs um, I think well, that's a fair the whole question to, to oh. ask yourself there uh, on the yeah on the Kevin live front for those that missed it Called off as a line coach taking the high school job at Lipscomb Academy. I mean that that kind Down of speaks
2: in, of like, you know what, I'm just gonna go Asheville. back home, right, and hang out. It's kinda like
1: He played for the Titans for a long time. Right. If no I'm not mistaken.
2: I, I mean he's a, a you know, great player there. It, to me, that's that's the equivalent of the guy that has worked in nothing against high school football. I'm not saying that, but you know, that's a hey, Jim worked in corporate finance for a long time and now he's just he actually moved back to his hometown. He's working at Lowe's. You know, it's like, hey, I got to have something to do. And I'm just heading home and chilling.
1: Jake to Danny's first point, that was kind of the Dane Fife comment I was making earlier when I was on with Dan on fr- or uh, on with Dane on, on Friday's show. Dane seems to be content with Jeff Saturday getting the head coaching job. And what I said to Dane, and again, not like I know the entire 2002 IU basketball team rolodex of what they did professionally after their playing careers in Bloomington, but if Scott Dolson would have hired Dane Fife when he hired Archie, or I guess Glass hired Archie, or Mike Woodson. I think we all would have nodded our head and said, "Oh yeah, Dane Fife. He's got a resume that deserves being the Indiana University basketball coach." Right. Whether what he did at Fort Wayne, you know, the the combination X player, Fort Wayne, Michigan State, all of that. But if Scott Dolson would have hired Tom Coverdale, or isn't Kyle Hornsby like a doctor?
2: Yes, he is. The, that is correct.
1: So if he would have hired Kyle Hornsby. That would have been the Jeff Saturday hire, of you're hiring the ex-player that has no coaching resume. Whereas a guy like Cato June or a guy like Reggie Wayne isn't Kyle Devan coaching? Is he I'm trying to think of like an ex-player from that era that is coaching? I, I thought Kyle Devan was a I he was a bust. Okay, for a little bit. I think I told you when that that would be the difference. Ex-player but you have a professional resume that actually compares to some of these other qualified candidates. Mike Woodson, again, he has that. He's an ex-player, but he also coached in the NBA for a long, long time. In Jeff Saturday's case, he doesn't have that.
2: When Jeff Saturday was named as the interim, I recall because I was doing the weekly podcast I do with Derek, and the news came out, and Derek said, oh, they hired – a former player. And I said, oh, Reggie Wayne? No. Cato June? No. David Thornton, who works in the organization? No. Jeff Saturday? Oh, okay. But I think it was so against the grain that that was kind of the point was it was intended to be one that was so outside the box that if it worked, you were gonna have you had you were gonna have no choice but to say, that was brilliant. And I think that was by design. And it just didn't work out the way that Jim Mersey at the time had intended. So then the question becomes does he say, you know what, it just didn't work out, or does he now double down? I mean that's kind of the the,
1: the point. James Mungro coached to DePaul, running back's coach. Really? I always liked him as a player. He was a good player. Did he, have, did he have Peyton's record-breaking touchdown? Didn't he have one of them? I know Brandon Stokely caught the 49th. Mungro of the 48th? Was it supposed to be Edge, is, and then he told what it was? Mungro to go in there? I Kyle DeVan is coaching at, is this?
2: I almost said Ortho Carolina. That's the sponsor of uh, Charlotte, Charlotte 49ers. He is the associate head coach and offensive line coach, and run game coordinator. I'm the run game coordinator. What do you do? I coordinate the run game.
1: Okay. On the Colts head coaching front, again, it sounds like Dan Quinn heading to Arizona for a second interview. Been reported that the Colts would like for him to come to Indiana, uh, Indianapolis at some point this week for a second interview there. Mike Kafka to Houston for a second interview. So that is probably the script for this week. Coaches that are now, no longer in the playoffs... Getting second interviews around the league because you cannot talk to the four coaches. In the Colts case, there's four coaching this weekend that are still left in the playoffs. You cannot talk with them until Monday. That would be D'Amico Ryan, who they've yet to talk to, and then the other three coaches they all have met with once. Brian Callahan, the OC with the Bengals, Eric Bieniemy, the offense coordinator with of the Chiefs, and Shane Steichen offensive quarterback. Callahan,
2: very well liked by Peyton Manning, correct? The Eagles, yeah. Worked with them in Denver? Ryan's
1: and Callahan. Those would be the two atop my list, but yeah, the Callahan history with Peyton and other quarterbacks as well. And Yes, he is the son of Bill Callahan. Morris would be atop my list. And he's a guy they can bring in this week for, right. for a second interview. I, I do think there's a lot of mutual interest on that front. Um, again, a head coach at the age of 32, Raheem Morris. He's now Gosh, what was that, 13 years ago? He seems
2: to check a lot of boxes as a guy, and, and, you know, he's learned a little bit about how to be a head coach. I don't know. I think he'd be worth I think he's
1: interesting. Continue this conversation, get back into the Miles Turner combo as well. Tony East.
5: Whether it's audiobooks or all time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclib 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kiskali is right for you.
6: Today.
1: Going to CIN ten. Talked a lot about uh, Miles Turner a little bit in the um, 7.30 segment. Again, two weeks from Thursday, the NBA trade deadline. And I'm just having, I don't know, maybe when deadlines approach, I'm just getting nervous. I know I feel like prom is approaching and all of a sudden I'm sweating like, oh my gosh. How Who'd am you am take to prom? All this? Uh, Lauren Ducing. Okay. Great, great girl. Um, yeah, how about yourself?
2: Uh, Kathy Frisch. And my understanding is her mother just passed, so my condolences oh, there. She lives in Memphis now. Kathy. But um, junior prom at North Central was juniors only, or it was only junior prom. Kathy was a senior; I was a junior. She was a senior, but
1: it, you only get what's one the year. Thinking to go of prom. that, what's that? Uh, that's weird. That's, I've never heard it like
2: that. That's a good question. My guess would be at North Central only because of the size of the school. Maybe I don't know, but it was literally as a junior you have prom, as a senior you have grad dance.
5: Hmm.
1: Not familiar with the what? grad dance oh it's great it grad dance and then we
2: had blast off which was like a lock-in they gave away a it was the two grand prizes they had all kinds of door prizes at at blast off my sister's year they gave away uh, a ford mustang that was the grand prize the, there were two grand prizes my senior year and they were Did you got a park tutor or orchard well she went to school with john giganti whose dad was a car dealer that probably helped um my senior year they were co grant there were two grand prizes and they were dorm entertainment sets that had like stereo cd changer vcr tv the whole deal i kid you not two people won it and there were two people who had already signed up to be roommates with each other in college (laughs) what are the odds of that where did you guys have prom? uh prom was at the murat and grad actually i think prom and grad dance may have both been at the murat but our prom was definitely there um our the pologenic men played our prom the chosen few played our grad dance it was fun it was a lot of fun
1: you know again when prom approaches uh, i start to get a little nervous oh my gosh here it is oh boy you know all the inevitable questions that you think about with prom and i don't know maybe that's a little bit with the miles turner extension not necessarily deadline but i think in reality the trade deadline has to be that because as we've said all along if you don't get him to sign an extension, in my opinion, you have to move him. And I've just started to look a little bit bigger picture with this Jake and realized, wow, if you extend him and the money you're going to give Tyrese Halliburton, deservedly so, this offseason, you're going to be in a totally different cap situation as a franchise moving forward. And I just think that position a la running back in the NFL, is a little bit more easily replaceable. And I know that sounds like a shot at Turner, who's an extremely effective player on both ends of the floor for you. But I don't like paying big guys into their 30s. Ryan mentioned this on Twitter. Turner's soft, but easy to say, trade him, tank, and draft somebody, and then they turn out to be Goga. I mean, It's a good point. Yeah. By the way, we also
2: had sororities at North Central. And they each had their own respective dance. The the dolls, winter dance. High school, yeah, dolls, and then QOH. I was a coach for QOH uh, during the Powderpuff football season. But they both, they each had a respective winter dance and like a a spring formal. It's quite the quite the social affairs at North Central. Now, is the
1: Powderpuff resume or the Hebron Christian resume for Jeff Saturday more (laughs) deserving of Kevin? Kevin Mawai is leaving. Uh-huh. That, that You're going to be his OC down there?
2: Yes, because and I have on my resume that I was the defensive coordinator for QOH 1990. <laughs> I still have the mug. I still have the Stein, QOH coach 1990. Hell, i qualified. Sign me up. Put it on my resume.
1: I, Ryan, I, I obviously understand You know what Goga's turned into. Resume yeah. means resume when you have that on there. I do think if you look at guys that are up there in the blocks – In the NBA right now, guys like Nick Claxton, Walker Kessler, You know what Robert Williams has meant to Boston, I do feel like you can find those guys kind of late first-rounders. Great athletes, block shots, and catch lobs. That's your job as a big guy. Again, Turner, great three-point shot. Not really a lob guy, um, so he brings a different skill set, but I just look at that as easier to find than elite wing, which, in my opinion, has to come through the draft, and therefore trading Turner. Would help you out in getting more draft picks. Package that up. Move north in the lottery and take the scraps behind Web and Yama.
2: Or Web and Yama himself.
1: You imagine Pacers two percent chance to win the lottery and they win it. That, I mean San Antonio
2: probably would, right? Or Orlando. They seem to always win. uh
1: Tony, next is that right? Yes, Tony. Needs to talk more about this coming up next. It's a 7 o'clock tip tonight, Pacers and Bulls. So after that four-game road trip for Indiana, back at home, and then, boy, they get out of here before the weather turns, and they go to Orlando uh, for a back-to-back coming up tomorrow night. And then back at GameBridge Fieldhouse Friday to take on the Bucks, and then Sunday in Memphis. So kind of an interesting week with this back-to-back here against two teams below them in the standings, although I think Chicago might be tied after last night. And then, obviously, two of the best teams in the league coming up Friday and Sunday. To talk more about all of this, Tony East, Locked On Pacers, Forbes, SI.com, NBA on Twitter. He joins us now. Tony, I, I do want to talk about Miles Turner, Buddy Heal, trade deadline, all of that, which I know we've talked about a lot, but like with the deadline nearing, it's good to focus there. Uh, but how about the latest on Tyrese Halliburton and this evaluation date that I believe was supposed to be Thursday?
7: Yeah, we could see him yesterday at practice for the first time getting shots up. Um, And, yes, I believe the the two-week reevaluation date was two weeks from the 12th, which would be the 26th, which, you are correct, is this Thursday. But, um, you know, he said last week, late last week, that he had started running again, which is good news Um, after having a knee thing. Being able to to run and get back into game shape is good news. And uh, Rick Carlisle told us yesterday in the media portion that, uh, he was able to participate in a lot of the non-contact portions of practice, including doing some full court work. So it seems like the knee part of it, things are going pretty well. He, he's on the road to recovery there. But still, the, I think the elbow thing is, I don't know what the right word is, the, the more the, the one that will dictate his return date, I guess. But he is getting some shots up now, which is good. That's the first time I've seen him do that since the injury. And uh, he, he said his, his hope is early February. Um, but, it, you know, it's ultimately up to... To you know, medical staff and things like that. But if that's the case, it, it could be closer than, than further. If that's if that's uh, up to him, Tony.
2: Do you believe that this losing skid has redirected in any way, shape, or form the Pacers' approach to their retool slash rebuild?
7: Uh yeah, it kind of ha- has to a little bit, right? Like if, if they were considering this season as any sort of you know, playoff push kind of season, you know, we, we can, we can make some small upgrades and, you know, be the six seed and this and that. That probably is off the table in your mind now. So I think it kind of has to you know, refocus your planning, right? I don't know if they were even thinking this way because all off season, you know, the front office said, Hey, we're, you know, we got this new long-term thinking approach and you know, we're not going to go, you know, year by year or two year by two year, or whatever. Uh, instead, it was, you know, and, and this really started last year with the trade deadline when they got younger with basically every move they made. You know, they're thinking big picture, longer term, and their, their two key core players are 22 and 20 years old, right? Like this this iteration of the Pacers is not set to be at its best for another half decade. If that, uh, you know, the, this stretch where they go from 23 and 18 to 23 and 25 in, in 10 days, you know, that, that has to change your focus to you really have to, maintain your long-term thinking there can't be any small smaller moves now that just add you know a veteran whose contract is shorter term doesn't does make sense anymore right you're not you're not going to propel yourself into the postseason now. The heat and the Knicks are separating themselves in the standings you know that that's just not an option anymore so can they still find upgrades that are under contract for a long time or are going to be a restricted free agent and can be a long-term fit yes that still is possible it's still possible for them to be at, the word everybody loves is buyer and get better as long as the player they're buying is going to be around for a while and it still of course makes sense to you know potentially if they wanted to be a seller and get get assets for their their veterans and that's all easy, the easiest way to think long term. But I think that the way they're thinking has to have changed is They can't be thinking short term with any moves now. It just it just doesn't make any sense given their record and spot in the standings.
1: Kenny's he's Tony East um, T East NBA on Twitter. He joins us here. On the Payless Slickers hotline, Tony, something that you know, I've come come across in covering the Colts now for a decade is like, okay, does this general manager or president, do they rank other positions higher than others? And in Chris Ballard's case, he's made it very clear that he does not operate in that mindset. You know, I'll, I'll pay a running back. I'll pay a guard. I will pay a linebacker. I, I will draft those positions high. So I'll ask that same question for Kevin Pritchard. And I guess I'll preface it by saying I would assume he kind of is of the same thinking of Ballard based off how he's handled the big man position in years past. I mean, Turner and Sabonis, he kind of rode that out for quite a while. Obviously drafted Goga you know, somewhat high as well. So have you ever got the inkling from Pritchard that you know maybe he doesn't value other positions, positively or negatively, like some others?
7: Yeah, that makes sense that you know, he values them about the same. And I think that the thinking from some of the front office or just in general, the team is like the way the NBA is trending is this, you know, the term is often positionless basketball, which I, I think is a silly way to think about it. But it's like, if you, if you have skills in the NBA now with the way it's so spaced out and the way shooting is so important. And if you can be mobile and, and shoot some threes, right? You, you can play any position and fit, right? You, you can influence the defense or offense in, in a significant way like the Cavs are, are doing great this year in the East right and they start two centers and three guards right there's very few wings on that team whereas other teams you know Toronto last year got the five seed and they started four guys who are six foot nine right their, their, their team has like this whole media thing that called Project 6-9 right like there's so many different styles now in the league and the way it's trending towards just skilled players who can space things out or be athletic and, and take space and seize opportunities and be good defensive players, right? It, it's, it's less about fitting into a rigid position group or being called a position out. Now, now, being taller is still better in basketball. And there's the reason that the Pacers have you know, for forever been chasing a power floor because being tall and mobile is as good as it gets it, it, with the way the league has played. So I think th- there's still positions that they need that, you know, are, are, are in the traditional way. But I think that with the NBA trending towards this positionless basketball style where skills are more important than size and, and previous thinkings, you know, the Pacers are not necessarily ranking any position above another but are instead chasing skills and fit and things like that. Tony, what
2: player in this seven-game stretch, with Tyrese Halliburton being out and the Pacers kind of having to reshuffle the way they're mixing the drink? What player has missed on their opportunity? Is there anybody who has underperformed and it was like, man, that was really a good chance for them?
7: That's a good question. You know, the, the guy I think that's lost the most without Tyrese Albert is buddy Heald, right? They have fantastic chemistry. Tyrese has said all the time he thinks that he understands Buddy than, better than any other player in the league. And, of course, for his whole career they've been teammates, so that, that makes sense. But your Heald is not playing as well without – Halvard around to you know set him up or understand when to get him the ball in one spot and at what time you know, they have fantastic chemistry but it's not like he's a guy whose skill set allows him to just you know step up and and take over games in the absence of Halvard find the real the hard part is it's, it's really hard to find a player who who can do that very easily so you know he's a natural guy that came to my mind when you asked that question just as uh you know okay this guy is one of their best scorers outside of Tyrese Halbert and 17.5 points per game, wonderful shooter, and you know, he's had his first two games, he hadn't had a game before the injury where he didn't hit a three this season. He's had two during the losing streak, right? So by default, you, you think of him as a guy who hasn't quite met the level that they need during this streak, although I think their new starting five if they stick with it, which it seems like they will with T.J. McConnell running the show, did get him ignited and got him involved. And He had four threes in Phoenix and and looked like the buddy he we be seen for much of this season. The other guy I would I would uh, single out is Andrew Nambard, who, you know, he, he's still a fantastic passer, has done a good job getting guys the ball and in their spots, and has plenty of assists during the stretch, but he can't quite get all the way to the rim on his drives all the time yet, so he can't really break down the defense in a way that Halliburton and McConnell can, and he's still learning the speed of the NBA. Like, he, he played point guard his whole life, sure, but it's totally different to play it at the pro level when all the players are bigger, faster, stronger, you know, as every rookie has, has said for all of time. So I think he had those two games with Tyrese out on the first road trip where he played pretty well, but now that he's the full-time point guard and other teams can scout him and really prep for it, I think he's the guy that you know has, especially in the scoring department, stepped up in a way that the Pacers have needed. They really need someone to run the show and get things organized and play well and, you know, Nimbard hasn't really done that. Besides, have you know, he had a? He's had a couple of solid games mixed in there. But I think he's the guy that's been the furthest from what they've needed during the stretch so far.
1: Tony, I'm admittedly having some reservations about potentially handing Miles Turner the contract extension that it seems like he wants and his camp is seeking. Um, I, I don't. I don't think there's any to deny that Turner is a very good player and an important piece for Indiana. And I would say one of the few disappointments of this season has been the young big guys not taking a step forward to maybe you could feel a little better about moving on from Turner if you had seen more from Isaiah Jackson or Jalen Smith or Gogo Batadze. Having said all that, uh, in your opinion, could you weigh out you know maybe the, the pros and cons to giving Miles Turner uh, that extension?
7: Yeah, they've been, look, the... The pro is that he's good, <laughs> and obviously right, and they've they've seen that for years, but finally, this year, you know he's always said he feels like he he has not scratched the surface of his potential and he could do more and, and really harness his skills, but this year he actually has the chance in is seizing it right that's been something that for his whole career hasn't really been the case like even games the bonus would miss, or you know Turner playing with the bench, he never really took advantage of the chance to show that stuff in the way he that he has this year, right with more opportunity with a roster that, that kind of fits his offensive skill set with the scheme that it makes more sense for him. He's been really good career year in, in basically every number, right? And that's, that's huge for him. There's a reason that we're even talking about this, right, is because he's playing – so well this year, if he was averaging the same stats as last year, or you know wasn't fitting in in the way that people presumed he potentially could, there's no way they'd be considering an extension, right? So the pro is that he's good and he fits with his core, and and defense at the five spot is massively important. But hey, you're right. You're right to say that there's there's got to be trepidation about. Like I, I read in one report that if the eight numbers are like a starting point for negotiations, you know, that's got to be scary for the Pacers, right? Like that's a ton of money to commit to anybody. Even eight, it was a ton of money to commit to a big man, right? And, and so uh, you know, thinking about the, the finances of what that means, especially when you know Tyrese Halliburton and Benedict Mathurd are cheap for now, but very soon Tyrese Halliburton's payday is coming up, right? So it's not like they're going to have all this this cap space to have the, all this flexibility forever. You know, if you commit to Turner, you're getting close to, okay, we don't have a ton of resources to really add to this team or transform it the way we maybe want to. So they have to be kind of cost-conscious still, and if if he's the guy that they think is the perfect fit at the five, great. Then you go for it there and call it a day. But they have to be you know you have to be careful with all this stuff and uh, giving him a ton of money to to go into his thirties at the five spot with, like I said, positionless basketball sort of coming to take over the NBA. They just have to be careful about you know what that could mean for their team long term.
1: Can you um, and again Tony East with us uh, covers the Pacers for S.I. dot com. Locked on Pacers, a great daily podcast uh, on. Uh, of course, the Indiana Pacers. Can you um, explain what that extension would look like from Indiana's point of view versus how other teams could offer Turner this summer?
7: Yeah, this renegotiation extension thing is the reason that the Pacers have this this chip that no one else has, and it's really helpful for them prior to the trade deadline to say, "Hey, we could keep him. You know, you better up your price and things like that." Uh, but the way it works, uh, you know, some people have already heard this, but it's like. Because they have cap space this year and because Turner has been a member of the Pacers for a certain amount of time, they're able to actually just straight up up his salary this season, right? Give him a raise while the season is ongoing, and that's extremely unusual. I think the last player that that had it happen to them was Robert Covington with the 76ers in 2016, I want to say. It's very rare that a team is, has a veteran who's good, is good enough to want to keep them for longer, and has significant cap space to be able to raise their salary, and the Pacers are in that spot. So they're able to pay Turner more or, or even money than what he may project that he would get this summer in bridge and see what that number is. You know, is that $25 year, right? Is that a four-year, four $100 million contract he thinks he can get elsewhere? Because you look at the center market, you know, Yusuf Nurkic signs for $17.5 million per year. Uh, Mitchell Robinson signs for $15 million a year. Like, he's better than those guys, right? You've got to think he would get... You know, closer to twenty, twenty-two. That's the market out there for him, Uh, and he signed for eighteen million. You know, four years ago when the salary cap was one hundred and eight million. Now it's going to be in the one thirty s. So, just based on that, if you even if you think he's the same level of player he was back then, just from a percentage of the cap perspective, he should be, you know, starting in the low twenties million. So, four for four years for ninety million, four years for a hundred million makes some sense. Just using those factors to. Kind of think about his money, so they could like add some money onto his deal this year, and then make it so the new money is is equal to that or more than that if they want to keep him. And no one else can give him that extension. No one else has the space to do that. So they have an advantage in that they could give him the money that he might require before anyone else. But it's tricky with the mechanics and the timing to do that because then you you can't trade anymore. You can't. You, that, that's it. Like you have committed to that path. So they have to consider all these things. March first is the deadline for that renegotiation. So. We'll see what they actually end up on because there's a lot at play
2: with this one. Tony, the Pacers, after playing tonight at home against Chicago, they go to Orlando, right, Kevin? Is that right? Yeah, huh. back-to-back. So, Tony, if um, you get a call tomorrow morning and they go, hey, we got a problem, um, the, the flight was... The, the baggage was too much so that we had to kick two guys off the plane and you've got to drive them to Orlando and so it's your job to drive them to Orlando Who
7: do you think will be the two
2: most fun guys to do the road trip with? Can I
7: get to Orlando quick? How do uh, the Pacers keep getting away with this? That The two snowiest days India's had all year <laughs> playing Miami and Orlando that was be I say.
1: You might need to rethink who you bring You might need to bring some shovelers <laughs> I'm bringing the guys who have the best
7: snow pants to help that's me right. yeah. make it go go he will be ready uh that's a good question they've got i've actually been asking a, i i've a couple guys about this just because they've talked about the team environment being so you know perfect this season for what they're doing about who is the funniest guys on the team and james johnson gets a lot of love and he's a really interesting guy he's been in the league for a long time played for a bunch of franchises i would want him although I think from a Snow situation, you know, he, he lives in Miami. I don't know if that's necessarily the, the perfect pick, but I think I'd pick Jabe Johnson and Tyrese Halbert, and they have uh, great camaraderie. They're great for the team uh, in terms of connecting people and talent. I think they'd have a lot of fun, funny things to say and fun things to say, and it uh, would be a good, good way to use my time driving down to Orlando at a million miles per hour and actually make it on time.
1: I, I would vote for T.J. McConnell. Uh, McConnell would be good. Pittsburgh I, I've noticed- guy, and I was fortunate to do the Thanksgiving um, you know food giveaway with, with with the Pacers and Wheeler Mission, and uh, TJ McConnell was next to me, and we had we had some great chats. Yeah, dude.
2: He has a different like handshake thing that he does with every guy on the roster, so you could tell that he has fun with that. He seems like a, I, O'Shea Brissett seems like he'd be cool. You know, he was the other one
1: that that, that I was with, and yeah, little chill guy. I believe his, Plus he has the same first name as Ice Cube. That's cool, right? Yeah, I think his significant other is a Cowboys cheerleader. Really? Uh huh. That's
2: well, correct. We might have to deviate yeah. through Dallas, right?
1: Tony, anything on the Rui Hachimura trade front that you think impacts the Pacers? We saw the former lottery pick from Gonzaga move to the Lakers yesterday. Um, Obviously doesn't play the same position as Miles Turner, but any trickle-down effect or anything you found interesting with that deal?
7: Yeah, Shams Trania reported that the finalists were the Lakers, Suns, and Pacers, right? So the interesting part there, obviously, is that the Pacers were included, and look, he's a young power forward, I suppose that makes sense, so there's also a reason that the Wizards are trading a former top-ten pick in lieu of other forwards, so uh, I wouldn't read read a ton into what the price was or anything there. Look, the, I think that the Lakers, every time they do anything, <laughs> there's a big microscope put on them just because LeBron James is on their team, but by trading for Rui, they will now have less cap space next summer to actually sign guys, so it's harder for them to add to their team in the summer, so they may be a little more inclined to make some trades during the season now, and they've been connected to the Pacers for time and time and time at this point, and I know the Russ trade is, has been, Russell Westbrook trade has been discussed ad nauseum at this point. I mean, I suppose it goes from now like 1% likely to 2% likely or something like that, but it doesn't make enough sense for either team at this stage to actually do it. So the Lakers could be more active, I suppose, um, but I don't, I don't think that In terms of any impact on the Pacers, if anything, the Wizards who are behind the Pacers in the standings got worse, right? So uh, in that way, maybe they're more likely to make the plan. Maybe that's the most direct impact hit from this deal, but uh, not a ton of ripple effects, I I think, from that one. I think
2: if you factor in disparity between market size and marketability of a franchise, the Wizards are the most obscure franchise in the NBA. Like, you're playing in a big market. I don't even think people in Washington care about the Wizards, right?
1: They don't care about the Commanders.
2: Yeah, I mean, they're all like, ah, you know, I'm actually from Chicago. I'm a Bulls fan. I mean, (laughs) you know, it's just my two cents on the Wizards for what that's worth.
1: Uh, Tonight's...
7: Go ahead, Tony. They've probably been the worst managed... Team in the league for the last four or five years. I know. And remember, I mean, Bradley deals
2: threatening to leave. They had that little stretch there where they were playing the Pacers in the playoffs, and it was kind of like a little rivalry that was fun there for a year or two. But
1: Gortat, that's a guy I'd like to drive with. He could shovel some snow. (laughs) There's no doubt. No doubt. Pet pig, Marcin Gortat. Tony, thank you. Yeah, guys, thanks for having me. That's Tony East right there on the playlist about a pet pig. Liquors hotline. Gortat has a pet pig. Does he really? Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, um, Marcine Gortat. Who else is on those Wizards? You know, Salvador
2: team? Dali had a pet anteater. That'd be an awesome pet, wouldn't it?
1: Boy, I'm afraid that anteater would turn on me. What do you
2: mean? Well, they turn around slowly. I don't think they're very fast at all.
1: Man, Gortat had some wild hair. Not much of it, but when he did, he would kind of like a little mohawk. Uh, Bradley Beal and John Wall, right? Those were, That was the early backcourt yeah, on those boy, Wizards those teams. Oh, those was.
2: Good players. Did you see John Wall caught some heat recently about former Pacer Ty, uh, uh, Tyler Hansborough? Did you hear that?
1: Yeah, something about the re.
2: Was, was it John Wall did a podcast where he said that the reason that he had grown up a North Carolina fan was a diehard North Carolina fan, and that when he went on, you know, John Wall is a native of the Raleigh-Durham area, and that when he went on his official visit to University of North Carolina, that Tyler Hansborough said, "I don't talk to recruits. Like, don't don't talk to me." And was really rude to him. And so John Wall said, So I went to Kentucky. And like multiple people that were there were like, oh, That's totally untrue, completely made up. Uh, so who knows? But it. Tyler Hansborough strikes me as a little quirky. That's probably fair, right? Um, you know, the, obviously the classic story in that regard is the story of Larry Bird when he was a freshman at Indiana and he roomed with Jim Wisman, who you know, was of means and had flashy wardrobes and Bird didn't have much. So he felt uncomfortable in general. But then the first day of pickup basketball, he went and was shooting around with like Scott May and Quinn Buckner or whatever. And Kent Benson came over and was like, "Uh, freshmen are not allowed to shoot with us or talk to us. Like go over there and completely outcasted him. And so Bird was like, okay. And he left. And that's why Bird said, I got great joy every time we played whatever team Kent Benson was riding the bench for of just absolutely kicking their ass in the game.
1: You know, that sounds peak bird right there. No question. No question. Uh, let's lead off the pop quiz. Excuse me. A uh, pop quiz come up in five minutes. Three one seven two three nine ten seventy. Jake says the hardest question in the history of the pop quiz. Yeah, I mean, is come on, on. Today's slate. So but good luck But here's the with thing: that.
2: if you think logically, there is one plausible multiple choice answer. That would only be listed if it's the correct answer. Well, that seems like a
1: big hint. Well, I'm just I didn't tell you what question it was.
3: Hardest uh, question ever,
1: but here's a softball. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> let's lead off the morning check down with the Pacers tonight.
0: The Morning Checkdown Brought to you by Ball State Basketball Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan
1: The longest losing streak in the NBA That's what the Pacers bring into tonight Seven games No one has lost more than four in a row Currently It'll be the Bulls off of back-to-back Chicago won at home last night over Atlanta It's the usual suspects for the Bulls DeMar DeRozan, Zach Levine uh, Nikola Vucevic, they are a team currently tied with the Pacers in the standings, ninth and 10th, uh, currently tied for ninth. Uh, so the final two play-in spots reside with these two teams, a one-and-a-half-point underdog, the Pacers, as they try to get their first win without Tyrese Halliburton since his knee and elbow injury a couple weeks ago. Swoosh, right? Sorry, swoosh it. Swoosh How's that? That not good.
2: NBA, thank you. There we go. NBA last night, Milwaukee over Detroit, 150 to 130. It was Orlando over the Celtics, 113-98. The Bulls, who will see the Pacers tonight, are coming off an 11.1, 111 to 100 over the Hawks. And how about former Tech star and Mr. Basketball Trey Lyles, 24 points last night for Sacramento, who is quietly putting together a really good season out West, 133 to 100 over the Memphis Grizzlies. I
1: didn't know he was getting consistent run for him
2: i he i don't think he has they, they're kind of loaded at that position but uh took advantage of opportunity last night obviously ap top 25 college basketball the new number one team in the land no surprise the Boilermakers of purdue boiler up over alabama houston tennessee and kansas state rounding out the kansas state is ranked fifth in the country uh rounding out the top five same top five Butler by the way for the coaches state this year. that is correct that is correct uh, Butler hanging their hat on that, by the way. Not a lot. To Speaking hang on. of non-conference true road wins, Indiana has one over Xavier. Xavier now is 12th in the country, 13th in the AP poll, 12th in the coaches' poll. Indiana now second in receiving votes. They have 61 votes for the top 25.
1: Kind of approaching the midway point of the Big Ten, and right now you've got Purdue eight and one, of course, atop the, the conference. Behind Purdue, nobody has two losses. You've got nine teams with three or four losses in the Big Ten. Of course, Indiana being one of those teams, they currently sit at 4-4 four and four. to the barn tomorrow night. I can't think of a snowstorm and a better place to be than <laughs> the barn in <laughs> Minneapolis. Uh, that is a 9 o'clock tip from up there. Trace Jackson Davis, Big Ten Player of the Week, 33 points, 12 rebounds, 4.5 assists, and 4 blocks. Um I would
2: say very well deserved. Well right? deserved
1: would be an understatement there. Um, and then Purdue—they're back in action tomorrow night. Excuse me, Thursday night, nine o'clock tip as well. That is at Michigan. We mentioned this a little bit earlier with the pending weather forecast. It looks like a lot of the local teams you would think of—they will be out of the city of Indianapolis here midweek. The Pacers go into Orlando. We mentioned IU and Purdue both traveling out of state. Uh, Butler is on the road. I want to say IEP-wise at Fort Wayne, we do have a cancellation here for anybody that was going to the Mad Ants game over at GameBridge Fieldhouse today. Uh, that has been uh, postponed. They were supposed to play the Maine Celtics. So Maine you, have some travel issues? Well, based off what uh, listener Matthew has been tweeting out, right. um, some massive snow up in that part of the country. So definitely something to keep an eye on here. That probably was more to do with Maine, I would assume, traveling here. That's what I mean. I, I would assume, right? Obviously, we don't have anything on the ground yet. But something to watch for as this weather forecast starts to turn a little bit tonight well into tomorrow.
2: All right, Pop Quiz is next. Two three nine ten seventy 1070 is the telephone number. We would love for you to participate, and we will do it on the other side. It's Kevin and on a Tuesday, Ninety three five one seven five the fan.
5: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
6: When St. Jude opened in 1962, childhood cancer was considered incurable. Since then, St. Jude has helped push the overall survival rate from 20% to more than 80%. St. Jude won't stop until no child dies from cancer. Join me today in supporting St. Jude by calling one 800 That's one 800 to become a partner in hope. Your gift to St. Jude could last a lifetime.
0: Have you studied? Can you handle the pressure? Sharpen your pencils. It's time for the Pop Quiz with Kevin and Quarry. Brought to you by Jiffy Lube, Indiana's favorite oil change since 1985.
1: All right, it is Pop Quiz time. 317-239-1070. I would say one of the more obscure ones in a while. Yeah, that...
2: I would think the thrill of being on the radio is going to be the fun part of the pop quiz this morning for somebody.
1: Did you guys see the um, the note on this weekend's championship games? Currently, both the lines are under three points. I want to say it's like maybe a one-point spread in the Chiefs game, two points in the Eagles game. Let me double-check that. Two-and-a-half, Eagles favored. One-and-a-half, the Bengals are favored. This note here, since 2000, there's only been only four conference championship games with a spread of under three points. And none since 2016. And right now, we've got both of them. So on paper, we're supposed to get two extremely competitive games and leading into those games, that's not been what usually happens in the championship which, don't we deserve that after how bad the divisional round was? Yeah, that's
2: fair. Because it, it was kind of a lackluster divisional weekend, wasn't it?
1: Good wild card weekend. Right. Yeah. Poor divisional. Go through all five. See what happens championship weekend. But yeah, again, both spreads very small right now in those games. I do believe there is a championship-related question or two on the pop quiz. Jake, number one through eight. Um, Number one
2: through eight. I'm going to go with number Four
1: number quattro is who parker that is ryan ryan good morning yeah, ryan
2: good morning fellas how you doing
1: doing well ryan how are you
2: i'm doing great ryan uh y- have you called the program before
1: oh for sure yeah okay. yeah
2: i've talked to you guys
1: ryan are you uh, a fan of the pending forecast or no
4: no i'm uh, i lucked out i'm actually off work tomorrow so i can just sit and watch it come down
2: so. now work is where what line of work are you in uh, Sell so floors, floors of your home. That's right. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Um, and and so, how did you get a random Wednesday off?
4: Well, we're uh, yeah, you get two days off a week. I'm off every Sunday and Wednesday.
2: So. Now, nice. would you would you prefer that to be consecutive days, or do you enjoy breaking up the monotony of the week with that way?
4: So I'm I'm a lifelong retail worker, um, and this is the closest thing a retail worker can get to a set schedule. So we're I'm happy with it. Okay, Ryan, will you go Sundays slut- for football?
1: Will you go sledding tomorrow?
4: Oh man, I haven't been sledding in years. Um, I don't know if I'd be able to get back up. So,
2: Ryan, let me ask you: When you were in, let's say, the second grade, and you went sledding in the second grade, uh, during that time, who would, if you had to guess, who was the Super Bowl champion that year? So that was in 1982, I think that was uh, 49ers. That is correct. Yeah, that's that's yeah. good. So you graduated high school what 1991, 93. Do
4: you like
1: the saucer sled, or do you opt for a little bit more of the uh, of the straighter um, kind of right angle line?
4: you know i'm I'm a Christmas vacation sled guy, so just you know <laughs> if you get the reference, you guys know.
1: Ryan okay. could be spending tomorrow somewhere where he doesn't want to be if that's the case. Um all right, Jake, you want to uh, lead off
2: here? I will lead you off with question number one, Ryan. you ready? Yes, sir. Purdue is back to number one in the Associated Press and Coaches Men's College Basketball polls. Which other Big Ten team is ranked with them in the top 25? Is it the Hoosiers of Indiana, Rutgers, Illinois, or Purdue is the only ranked Big Ten school? As a Purdue grad, I'm very happy to say there is no
4: other Big Ten team ranked right now. Okay.
1: Just feel the joy in Ryan's voice saying that <laughs> answer. Congrats on that, Ryan. Well deserved. Uh, number thank two, you, you. we are coming up on conference championship weekend in the NFL. The winner of the AFC championship game receives the Lamar Hunt Trophy, which I guess could go to his family, depending on what happens on Sunday. Uh, what does the winner of the NFC championship game receive? Is it the George Hallis Trophy? The Wellington. Yes, the Hallis Trophy. Boy, it's no day off today
2: for Ryan. Question number three for you, Ryan. The first NFL championship game to be nationally televised took place in 1951 with the L.A. Rams beating the Cleveland Browns. Which network carried the game? CBS, NBC, ABC, or Dumont Network? That's tough. I'm going to say ABC. ABC.
1: All right, number four, Ryan, of the 16 franchises that have played in the AFC Championship game, only one is undefeated. A, the Patriots, B, the Bengals, C, the Chiefs, D, the Broncos.
2: That means undefeated within their history of championship games played.
1: Yes, thank you for clarifying that. Sure, uh, can you run that down again? Yeah, Chiefs, Bengals, Patriots, or Broncos? Um. I think the Bengals.
2: Okay. Interestingly enough, and I promise you this was not foreplanned, when you were in the second grade sledding and the Super Bowl that we just talked about that was the San Francisco 49ers over the Bengals, mind you, took place, where was that game? That's Super Bowl 16, by the way, in 1982. Was it the Orange Bowl in Miami, the Louisiana Superdome, the Pontiac Silverdome in Michigan, or Tampa Stadium? Oh. Uh. I will tell you, it would be impossible for you to right now go back and walk into the same facility. Okay, what is the first one? That would be the Orange Bowl in Miami. Yeah, there we go.
4: Orange Bowl in Miami.
1: Okay. All right. Sends a little disappointment in Jake's face uh, with Purdue,
2: Ryan, a Purdue graduate, knew that Purdue is, in fact, the only team from the Big Ten currently ranked in the AP or coaches top 25
1: Ryan at this point what would be considered a successful tournament run for Purdue
4: um I mean at this point considering I work with a shop full of IU guys we have to get a banner
1: oh <laughs> boy now will you be heading to the final four in Houston if that happens eh, probably yeah or Butler was that the Butler UConn national title in Houston I'm trying to think of the ugly shooting display in that one. Okay, the winner of the AFC trophy, Lamar Hunt. The winner of the NFC, Ryan, was all over this. George Howells.
2: Question number three is where Ryan – I tried to offer the hint earlier – CBS, NBC, ABC, all plausible answers. The only possibility, the only way, the only reasoning that the Dumont Network would even be listed amongst that group is if, in fact, it is the correct answer, yeah. which, Ryan, I'm I'd sad to, to tell you, it was. Now, It, uh, it seems so obvious because I, it was so obviously wrong. I know. But here's the thing. The Bengals and the Niners in 82— that was actually in the Pontiac Silverdome. The Pontiac Dome. I remember that being a big deal because there was conversation at that point that Indianapolis was going to get a domed. So it was like, oh my gosh, this is what it's going to look like and, you know, whatever else. But a valiant effort. Enjoy the day off tomorrow. Yeah, right. All right Enjoy Ryan? the day off. Enjoy sledding. Uh, Dumont, by the way, Scotty says, went bankrupt around 1957. Probably because they spent so much money on the broadcast rights of the 51 NFL championship game between the Rams and the Browns.
1: Forest Park Golf Course—that's the must for sledding tomorrow. The ninth hole. Where is that? In Forest Park.
2: Okay. Hmm. You ever been it up used, there? It, you, no. It used to be the Butler Hill. Great, it was high great. North. But that's gone. Yeah, can you
1: still get in the bowl? I mean, the, 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 they still have that hill.
2: I, I now the main hill's gone, right? Because it's now those residential. Student yeah, I guess right I'm thinking. Can
1: you like sled onto the field, like from the parking lot? Yeah, that entrance. I don't
2: know though because it stands now, right? I mean, do
1: they have stands in the end zone?
2: I mean, Starlight Musical was right there, it was right on the other side of that, and it was really good. The Elks Club in Shelbyville, baby. I spent some sledding hills there. I don't know. Are we going to get enough snow to sled tomorrow? Don't we? Doesn't this always happen? Here's what always happens in Indiana. Are
1: you more skeptical of the Colts head coaching search or the weather tomorrow?
2: Oh, the weather. Three weather certainties. Now, tomorrow may be four to eight inches is what they're okay. saying. I mean, again, that's tomorrow into maybe a little bit into thursday I, I think honestly you have to get into the double digits in terms of the inches for it to really like make a difference in terms of your travel like i think four to six inches is kind of a hassle but that's well, a lot still of depends
1: from an ice standpoint yeah for sure and the time um, of when it falls
2: I, I just there are three certainties every winter cycle in the state of indiana three absolute certainties number one there is at least one predicted death storm 20 insert year that never comes to fruition where it's like well it it completely missed us that happens at least once a year kind of happened around christmas number two there is always a storm out of nowhere and it's usually late in the year, like like a week after Valentine's Day, and it's supposed to be 50 and sunny, and all of a sudden it's like, what in the world? We got seven inches of snow yesterday. What the hell happened? That, that nobody saw that coming. That happens at least once. And flurries during the opening week of sectionals. Those three things, lock, stock, and barrel. And I'm hoping that this is one of them that is a total no-go, but I'll probably be wrong
1: odd when you look at the map it's like the metro area 48 inches and then southern and northern indiana a lot less on the i mean south you're coast. right
2: about the the weather mother nature knowing i-70 is amazing
1: and i always feel like during race weekend 465 blocks all the showers from the track
2: <laughs> we would like to think right
1: when is your first indycar race by the way i meant to ask you that
2: uh first weekend in march st pete march 5th i think really
1: why did i always feel
2: like there was a february one i, I think there have been a couple times where they've moved it there. It, they've kind of fluctuated, which I think they w- really would like to have, and understandably so, date equity so that people in those respective markets are like, oh, yeah, it's race weekend. But, it's yeah, it's March 5th.
1: Uh, we will get you updated on where the Colts are from a head coaching search to round out the show. A couple of names of interest for the Colts interviewing for a second time in other places. We'll explain that. To round out the show, Kevin Aquari, 93.4. 93- <laughs>
2: Uh, Speaking of country, you just heard that promo. It will be a country artist, Chris Stapleton, that will sing the national anthem at this year's Super Bowl. I like Chris Stapleton. It will be an Indianapolis native that sings America the Beautiful. Really? Uh Uh-huh. Kenneth Edmonds. Oh, sure. Pride of North Central, also known as Babyface, will be singing America the Beautiful in this year's Super Bowl. And it will be Rihanna, who is the halftime show.
1: My wife is thrilled about Rihanna. Me,
2: too for real Mark. mark okay mark what i remember i'm old enough to remember i believe this is it's such a random brain dropping jake query memory if you were to look up right now we were just talking about the fact that 1982 super bowl was 41 years ago today happy birthday by the way to paul hurley my buddy paul the mailman Photographer extraordinaire. Today's his birthday.
1: Happy birthday, Paul. Happy um, birthday. Uh, I got two to sneak in. Mark Brannigan and Julie Shot. Happy birthday.
2: Okay. Mark Brannigan and Julie Shot. Yes. Uh-huh. All right. Um, that Super Bowl 41 years ago in 1982. I'm going to guess. that I, I don't know why I remember this. Just, just locked in my noggin. If I'm not mistaken, that Super Bowl halftime show was up with people. Now, do we have a list anywhere of Super Bowl halftime shows of yesteryear? I think Scotty can fire that one up. If this is correct, then I am going to not only be so impressed with myself, which I have a, a, a fairly often – what's that, Mark? I said,
1: oh, God. I was going to
2: say, kind of a low bar for
1: you to be impressed with
2: yourself. <laughs> I, I I oftentimes I, I oftentimes impress myself. But not only – this time I might actually scare myself that I remember that Up With People was the 1982
1: Super Bowl halftime show. Like, I need, I, I need a snow day tomorrow. <laughs> um, Scotty cool. is feverishly looking it up. Scotty, if, if somehow your Wi-Fi doesn't work, it's not the end of the world there. Uh, Colts head coaching search. I think a big thing to keep in mind, Scotty gave, gave you the thumbs up, Jay. So.
2: Was it up with people? Yes! Yes! I'm the only person that even remembers up with people, let alone that they were the Super Bowl halftime show in 1982.
1: Mark, the only person clapping was who? One and only Jay. Well,
2: listen... Listen, you got to take little victories where you can... I hope for all of you today that anybody listening, that you yourself today have a little victory, just a little victory today that makes you say to yourself, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and gosh darn it,
1: people like me. Turned into Stuart Smalley all of a sudden? (laughs) What are you doing? (laughs) Something to keep in mind again. This is the time of the show when I really hit my stride. For this (laughs) week, you're seeing Dan Quinn heading to Arizona for a second interview. You're seeing Mike Kafka... Heading to Houston for a second interview. If you're done with your season, you can do that. If you are one of the coaches here on Championship Weekend, you're not eligible to interview again until Monday. This is where, Jake, I think we're going to start to get into (laughs) agent creating leverage for client. If you recall last year during the coaching cycle, the names in Jacksonville were not necessarily always Doug Peterson. You had Byron Lefwich and Nathaniel Hackett rumored there. And all of a sudden, Denver, I think they got a little panicky. They wanted Hackett. right? And they heard him flirting around him with, with with Jacksonville. For the Rodgers purposes, right? And so they all of a sudden offer the head coaching job to Hackett. That is something to keep in mind here. Like If you're the Colts, you might really want to talk to Brian Callahan or Shane Steichen for a second time. But are you willing to be patient and let Dan Quinn potentially get a head coaching job somewhere else? Right. Or a Mike Kafka?
2: I mean, there's some chess that goes into this, and, right?
1: And this is the big chess week because it's this awkward state where for the Colts, three guys you've already interviewed will coach this weekend. And another guy, D'Amico Ryans, who I think you should interview. Are you willing to be patient enough to wait on a Ryan's, wait on a Brian Callahan, Shane Steichen, Eric Bieniemy, but then possibly lose a... Dan Quinn, a Mike Kafka, these guys that appear to be heading elsewhere for second interviews early this week?
2: Good questions. I And I'll give the Colts credit for the fact that they don't seem to be a franchise that typically is in response mode. You know, that kind of we do it this way and, and that's the way we do it.
1: But we'll see. I I, I tend to think Bauer will be patient, but if you really like somebody and you feel like another team is threatening that <laughs> you yeah, gotta act upon here's
2: it. a question for you let's just say for the sake of argument that that tomorrow we do in fact get six to eight inches of snow okay uh-huh. and it's going to be cold for a while here when they plow the snow off on the circle and then you get that 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 like hard kind of crusted like snow that just yeah, gets it, like
1: kind of just looks like a terrible color correct
2: Will all remnants of that snow be gone by the time that we know who the Colts head coach is going to be?
1: Mm, that's a good one. Uh, what's the temp look like coming up? It's going to be
2: like in the thirties. Pretty 30s. cold, right? Yeah. No rain. Yeah. To my knowledge. I've
1: kind of always targeted post Super Bowl, but now I think I'm. I think I might be a late next week guy. You can interview, no matter what happens this weekend. So let's say, for example, let's say Cincinnati and Philly win. So Cincinnati, Brian Callahan, Philly, Shane Steichen, even though they're playing in the Super Bowl, you can interview them during the off week next week. So you could interview them for a second time. And if you feel good about that second interview, maybe you then go ahead and offer the job and maybe it is a done deal. I think officially it would have to wait until after the Super Bowl um i say we will still have snow on the ground when the colts have a head coach okay but that's more to do i think with mother nature
2: <laughs> okay but it is it just seemed to me in the past and i could be wrong in this but my in my memory pagano being hired and certainly dungy being hired is, scotty can correct me if i'm wrong here but it felt like those were like maybe a week to 10 day processes I just think the NFL not has as evolved big time. No, I get it. And the and the, the rules change in terms of the availability of when you can talk to coordinators is certainly a factor.
1: I mean, all five are still open, and we're now post two weeks after the season's ended. We had five openings. We continue to have five. Mentioned it earlier. Marks Bears, I think, interviewed double-digit number last year for Iberflus. When Nick Sirianni was hired in Philly, it was a big number as well. But those would be some things to... Keep in mind, I um, Max is going through a little sleep regression, mm-hmm. so I've been up kind of three, four-ish, and so I oftentimes will watch the um, Australian Open on my phone as I'm trying to rock him back to sleep. You know, The American males are doing really well in Australia right now. Really?
2: Yeah. Well, that's what I've heard about going to Australia, which is one of the reasons a lot of people like to visit. Yeah,
1: I mean, come on. <laughs> ben Shelton is his name, 20-year-old. Into the quarterfinal tonight, we have two Americans facing off in the quarterfinal, which means we'll get one American have, in the semi.
2: I'm embarrassed to ask this: Is Australian a hard court? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I don't know why I was. Th- I mean, I know that French is clay. Obviously, Wimbledon's grass.
1: The stat that they threw out there the other night when I was watching: four U.S. men into round four. That's the first time it's happened since 2004. Man, it would be
2: so fun to go to. I- I'm telling you, high level tennis to watch a high-level tennis match is really riveting stuff. Uh, honestly, I mean, it is amazing. It'd be so fun to just take like a week and go to the Australian Open and just yeah, sit and I watch Yeah, I wish it Curtis. was a little
1: bit more in our time slot. Like, the matches right. either start at like 10.30 or like yeah, 3 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, Ben Shelton, the first American male, 20-year, uh, I think it's younger than 23 to reach a We should go to Outback
2: Steakhouse and watch the Australian Open. Since Andy
1: Roddick. Have a Foster's. In 03. Oh, shout out to Clyde Christensen for retiring after 43 years. Really good guy. You know, he was uh,
2: well liked by all the players where he coached, including here in Indianapolis for a long time. And um, I thought he
1: could be a Jeff Saturday coaching staff candidate. And and I mean that in all seriousness. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, he's very well liked, very well respected. Yeah, 43 years in the business on that Tampa Bay staff signing up. And it looked like he was 43 years old. All right, good luck to all of us tomorrow on the commute in, right? That's right. That is right. Pacers in action. 6.30, our coverage begins. Pacers and Bulls. You back on Wednesday. Purdue on Thursday. Everybody, in all seriousness, safe travels. Uh, Sounds like the afternoon community will be fine, but tomorrow morning a bit dicey. We'll talk to you tomorrow.